0: Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss
1: McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode three hundred and fifty of the Big Show, some Enforcer based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Ah, uh, yes, the silly season is here. With right, Santa's right around the corner. Uh, yeah. Oh, I took Thursday off and, uh, yeah, I, I was going to do some Christmas shopping. Here we go, some Christmas shopping and, uh, yeah, I I went through two malls and a bunch of other stores and ended up buying like one and a half total gifts and I think I'm more lost now than when I started and I'm, I'm running out of time. We got a week, right? So, um, yeah, <laughs> right to the last minute every day. Every year I always swear, you know, oh, I'm just going to buy a whole bunch of stuff on Amazon early on and I'll get it done. And that way I don't have to worry about anything. And now here we are in the 18th. You know, that last week before, before Christmas, it's the same all the time. So yeah, without fail, here we are. Um, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, just been a real, you know, and I, and I apologize because I haven't done this. When was last? Well, well, Sunday, I guess was my last, last Saturday. When the hell did I release it? Friday or something. Yeah. So it's been over a week. Um, so I apologize for the delay. Yeah. It's just the time of year. Uh, got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, uh, transitioning into a new job. Um, and it did, you know, um, in a different department. Uh, so the, Uh, my, my, my fill in or my, uh, the the man who's replacing me starts tomorrow in my department. I have to train him. Um, so that happens for, you know, a week and a little bit here, you know, and they got holidays and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, so that's going to happen here for hopefully he, uh, I've heard, I've heard good things about the guy, so I don't know him. I've never met him. Um, but apparently he's all right, so that'll be all right. So, um, I'm not really gung ho on training people, but, uh, what can you do? Um, but leave it better than when you found it. Right. So, um, you know, and then in the, in the new year I start my new department. So, and that's, you know, you're not going to lie. You know, you got anxiety and nerves cause it's been 15 years at this job. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. It's a different position, supervisor position. So, uh, you know, obviously there's more, um, um, responsibility and that type of thing. So, uh, you know, and and now you're you know you're well you're, you're supervising people, right? So, um, you know, so whereas before I was just like kind of on my own and um, you know, the one man band, right? And uh, so uh, it'll be different, and um, but I'm looking forward to the challenge, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So, um, with that, uh, my schedule changes, so I'm not sure in terms of the show. I mean. Well, it's not like I'm working nights or anything, but I know my shifts are longer, but I will actually get days off. What are those? Um, yeah, so I will have time off. So, um, I, you know, my recording schedule might be, might be a little altered. Um, but yeah, you know, so, but we'll see. But like I said, we'll, uh. I know the last little bit here, the show's been kind of sporadic. I know I always had my Wednesday-Sunday. you got to set your watch by it. But probably about the last six months, it's kind of changed a little bit. So just the amount of work has been ridiculous and, uh, you know, um, so. But anyway, hopefully get back in the groove here in terms of a regular, like, Although, I still think I've been pretty good. But, I mean, like I said, the last little while has been kind of hit and miss. But, um, you know, but I haven't left you with weeks and weeks and weeks without anything. Although, some might, hopefully, I take weeks and weeks off. I take two weeks off, then quit. But, uh, so, we'll, we'll see how it goes here with the with the new schedule and stuff. They haven't even really told me my schedule. So, um, and I know they're changing the hours up and stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, uh I'm looking forward to it. Anxiety, nervous, and you know, but it's 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 good. So you know, we'll see. But um, yeah, how are you guys doing? We're back at it here. Um, I had a special guest today. Uh, Steve is back on the show, um, and it was it was interesting because Steve got a hold of me and said, you know, he'd been listening to some stuff, and uh, he wanted to talk about Gordy Howe, and he had heard Joe and I talk about the myths of Gordy Howe and that type of thing. And Steve is a history major to begin with. We'll put it, we'll start there. Uh, but he is big hockey fights guy and, and was going back on newspapers.com and really dug in to, and he's from the Michigan area. Uh, so he really dug into Gordie Howe. Like, let's get to the bottom of this, right? Cause there is, and I've been obviously talked about, like there, I think might've been some revisionist history and, uh, and stuff like that. And some liberties taken with some facts, but, uh, but Steve got to the bottom of it and, and did his research and, uh, and he brings it to the podcast here and I, uh, I am suitably chastened. So, uh, but no, it's great. And, uh, he kind of, uh, he wanted to come on and, and, uh, talk about his findings. And it's, uh, you know, from a hockey fight historian's, uh, point of view, it, it um, it, it was great. And I, I loved it. I mean, I enjoyed, uh, you know, getting, uh, being, uh, or learning some more information about it. And, um, yeah, no, it's great. And, we, and I mean, and, and like always, right, the conversation kind of goes all over the place, so we end up talking about tons of people. But, uh, and we talked for a long time, about an hour and a half, I think. So, which I think was going to turn out to be like a half, an, it's like everything. Oh, it's, well, we'll do about a half an hour. Oh, okay. You know, an hour and a half later, we're still going. Um, but, uh, no, it was great. And I, I, uh, I want to thank Steve again for coming on. It was tremendous. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and like I said, anytime you can, um, you can, you can bring up the history and highlight that of, uh, of, of the, of the sport and, um, and the, and the fighting aspect of the sport. Um, and we make mention of it, uh, in the interview when we're talking, but, you know, for all your, your Ryan Reeves and, you know, you know you go back your Proberts and your Twists and Barubis, um, you know, they stand on the shoulders of, you know, Kinderchuck and Joe Hall and Spragueligghorn and you know and Noel Picard and Bob Gasoff and all those guys I mean you can't have one without the other, right, and everything comes before them and um so I think history's really important and um yeah, so we 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 delve into all of that, this, this talk. So a lot of fun, but, uh, like I said, so, and Joe and I, or, uh, Joe, uh, Steve and I talked for a long time, so I'm going to keep this intro. I actually had a bunch of stuff written out, but I'm going to keep it short. Um, you know, um, you know, other than uh, you know, basically, I'll just talk. Obviously, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hundred shows in the network. I'm on the original content side, along with uh, Jolt and Joe Lazito. Oh, did you see that old Searson there from the UK? Brings his family over from Nottingham. Goes across, comes across the pond, lands in New York, and oh, he ends up running into Lazito. I said, "Well, you took a wrong turn somewhere because I, I don't know. You know, you didn't want to end up in that area." Holy. You know, I told him, when you talk, got your picture taken, I mean, you know, you better sit on your wallet. Uh, Jesus, you know. You noticing all this plight, kids? You know, so. But no, he uh, looked like they had a great time in New York. That's a pl- I've never been to New York. I'd like to go. Um, but he, they looked like they had a great time. And, uh, and he, I know he's back home now. And it's his birthday today, actually. So happy birthday, John. I know he's been on this show a bunch of times. And. And always been a, a real solid supporter of the show, which I appreciate. And uh, uh, over the years, John and I go back and forth, yeah. And, and uh, I always enjoy our conversation. So, but uh, but Joel Lazito Joel of Coliseum Chronicles fame, um, yeah. So he's out hobnobbing instead of instead of doing shows. Joe Joe's out taking in the nightlife and and disturbing people. So, but uh, check out his back catalog, Coliseum Chronicles. Fakota, Asham, Ewan, Strudwig, on and on. Um, I know he's, he's working on a real big interview right now that uh, for for hardcore enforcer fans, this guy's a minor league legend and you guys are going to dig it because I think it's his only interview he's done. So it'll be a good one. And then, of course, we've got Alec over there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, I know he's been, uh, you know, kind of battling health issues and, and work issues and, and a, you know, just time you know the, the thing we're all fighting time, and uh, but uh, so he he I know he's making efforts to, um, uh, you know, get more episodes out and that sort of thing. Um, speaking of, I mean, I'm I'm tech. I we're planning he and I and and Jay from Iowa. Look at this! I'm I'm really selling this episode, this coming up episode. Uh, we are going to sit down tomorrow, hopefully, uh, the three of us. And, uh, we're going to, it's going to kind of, instead of the state of the union, it's going to be the state of the Miners, and where are we at at the, basically not the halfway, but the quarter pole mark, uh, in the Southern pro league and the East coast league. And, you know, just some general who's surprising you and who's been letting you down and, uh, and, and that type of thing. And eye on the Miners, if you will. So I hope you guys will tune, tune in for that. But, um, yeah. And if you happen to be on the YouTubes, fourth line voice on YouTube, I have over 2,000 videos. Subscribe to the channel, please. If you like what you see, hit the like button because um, that helps out in the algorithms. Um, same, whatever, if you listen to my show, Joe's show, Alex show, whatever podcast you listen to on whatever platform, iTunes or Spotify, um, hit the star rating. And uh, again, that helps out us in the algorithms, and download, don't stream, please. That's how we get paid. As I always say, it's the little thing, it's a couple little minor things that you, the listeners, can do that uh, greatly helps out a content creator, and the, and those are a few of the things. So if you guys could do that, I would greatly appreciate it. And, uh yeah, other than that, we should probably kind of probably get into this episode. I was going to talk about the, um, um, you know, the Larkin thing and all that, but it's kind of like, yeah, no, the only one I will talk about is, um, um, I, I, I guess I have to kind of mention this Jordan Cairo interview where he starts crying. Um, wow. Well, um, now, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to sit here and bang the desk and be a man, suck it up, man. Um, no, but at the same time, um... Well, for those that don't know, if you're listening, um, he plays for the St. Louis Blues. And of course, the St. Louis Blues earlier this week uh, fired coach Craig Berube. Well, Berube and Cairo, who is their highest paid player, um, apparently did not really see eye to eye this year. And, uh, you know, having some problems. And uh, Anyway, Berube gets fired. And later on that day, Cairo kind of throws a shot. Somebody asked him about it. And he's like, oh, I have no comment. He's not my coach anymore. And eh, you know, whatever, and it got taken out of, like, they were basically, like, you know, he was pissing on the guy while he was down, right, so, that night, um, in St. Louis, every time, basically, that Kyrie was on the ice, they booed him, eh, you know, okay, uh, anyway, so, after the game, they're interviewing him in the locker room, and he starts crying, And it's been so hard, and all this, and it's like, okay, so, of course, social media blows up, and of course, everybody. It's so great that you know men can cry and show their feeling and all this stuff, and you get that, and then you get the other ones, you know, oh, you're a bitch, and all that stuff. So I mean, it's very polarizing. You know, you get both sides of the argument. Um I I just found the whole thing, you know, just kind of what are you doing? Like just. Uh, well, and then so I kind of mentioned it on, on social media. I'm like, because somebody said, well, they're booing him because of the comments about he made about Perubian, he Berube was a loved coach by the fans and whatever. I'm like, well, maybe, or I'm just spitballing here, but this is just me. Um, maybe they're kind of giving it to him because he has signed an $8 million contract and he's got five fucking goals this year. Uh, you know, and apparently does not go into corners and his play has been fairly inconsistent and wishy-washy all year. This is not me saying this because I don't watch this shit, but I trusted St. Louis Blues ex-players who, uh, watch and, uh, they commented on that and that's what they were talking about. So I will trust their opinions, uh, over, you know, Blues fan, uh, 72 online. Um, so... So not only do you have the highest paid guy and you only have five goals this year and, uh, you know, you spray snow in the corners and, yeah, well, your, your, part, your shit play got Berube fired. I mean, it's a group effort, but, I mean, when you're the highest paid guy and blah, 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 you know, you're the guy that they kind of look towards to maybe lead, to lead the crew here and you have five whole goals this year. Um, so, you know... Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, and then to top it off, you shit play, then you decide to shit talk the guy on the way out the door. So that's why you got booed. Um, and then to stand there and cry about it. Eh. So I kind of mentioned this on social media and somebody said to me like, well, how would you like to go to work and have people yell at you and call you shitty? I said, dude, I'm a government worker. I hear that daily. Are you talking, are you kidding? I get told constantly how overpaid I am and useless and everything else from the public, and uh, I've, I've well, and management telling us we're not getting any money and and everything else. I don't come home and 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 cry and shed tears to my wife while I'm telling somebody down on Broadway yelled at me today that uh, they pay my salary and I'm a sack of shit. Like, um, you know, so you know, and old Cairo here. Uh, you know, he, he's he got a few more, few more zeros on his paycheck than I do. So, uh, you know, if they want to, you know, I take the slings and arrows for a qu- fraction of what this cat makes. So, um, no, but the, the thing that I found just ironic and funny about the whole thing is these people that are commenting online, of course, it's all these blues fans, these little Cairo fangirls and boys, um... Oh, he's human and people don't do, you know, this is the problem with society and blah, blah, blah. Or I laugh because when you go on their, on their social media feed and you start scrolling it, oh, they shit talk every ref, umpire. Uh, they tweet at George Perles. You must have CTE, you dumb fuck. Nice suspend. Like you say, well, is it George human? Like we all make mistakes. You know, this was your big thing. Like, but oh, Gary Bettman's a piece of shit. Anybody disagrees with you? Fuck you. And, oh, okay. Like, so, uh, yeah. But all of a sudden, it's like, well, we should be sympathetic to our fellow man and his plight and everything else. But, you know, unless they, you know, unless that penalty goes against the Blues, then, oh, we wish hateful shit on this person. Uh, Which I, I, I found just the hypocrisy of it all was eye-rolling, but that's social media in a nutshell, but, um, yeah, it was just the whole thing, I mean, I don't know, I, I mean, I know I get on this show, and for, you know, I've called the game soft, and the players soft, and everything else, um, that, uh, you know, that doesn't get much more, uh, I don't even, I I don't even know what to say. Well, when a guy starts... And again, it wasn't like they were throwing batteries and and empty... Or uh, full beer cans at him or anything. Like, they booed him. That that was it. Like, you didn't get hit with, you know, uh, car battery or anything. Like, so... uh, You know, really? Uh, I... Yeah. So there's that. Um... Oh, I will say some, some breaking news that came out today from the talking trash podcast, which is, uh, AJ Galante and, uh, Daniel Amesbury's podcast that they have just started up. They're about five episodes in now. Um, they had, uh, an announcement today. AJ made, um, of course, AJ was famous for ice wars. Um, but he and Charlie Nama and a couple of the people, uh, that, you know, Created Ice Wars had a had a falling out and they separated and Charlie and them took the name Ice Wars and went on with it and of course had Ice Wars three in Wyoming uh, a few months back um, which AJ and, and and Amesbury were not a part of uh, but in the meantime they have uh, they have been behind the scenes I guess and putting plans together and today they announced that uh, they're gonna they're gonna bring it back and, and start their own. Hockey fight tournament again, or hockey fight pay-per-view type event. And it is called Major League Hockey Fights. And, uh, the MLHF. And, uh, it's gonna be, and they did say it was gonna be on ice. And, uh, they are looking. They already said, uh, in the comment sections or get a hold of them on social media. If you're, if you wanna take part and, and throw down, uh, let them know. And, uh, and if you have a city in mind, let them know, and, uh, you know, they've got some backers, and, uh, in 2024, this is gonna happen. So, I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, and at the same time, if Ice Wars is gonna continue, I'm gonna support that as well. I mean, I have nothing against, I don't know what happened with AJ and Charlie and all that stuff, and it's none of my business, and I'm staying out of it. Um, but, uh, you know, if Ice Wars is gonna continue, um, I will support that wholeheartedly as well, as well as this. I mean, you know, there's there's lots of different, you know, competition out there. There's always competition's always good. And if, we, if we're if you are gonna have two kind of companies doing this stuff, yeah, I'm a fight fan, man, I'm down with it, so that's all cool with me. But uh no, I'm glad uh, AJ and Amesberry are back at it. Um and I, I wish them the best in this venture and uh and I told AJ a text, he sent me a text today and kinda of said, Oh, you better watch the podcast tonight or uh, listen to the podcast today because there, there's something in there for you because he and I had been talking earlier a couple, uh, a couple days ago about ice wars and stuff and, uh, how I had wished, uh, he was still involved, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, I was pumped with the event. So I got a hold of AJ. I got him back and just said, yeah, that's awesome, man. And, uh, you know anything I can do to promote it in my own little way I will certainly do so and uh, I'm hoping to have AJ on on the show here in the new year and uh, you know he could shed some more light on it so but uh, so there you go for 2024 Major League Hockey fights uh, is coming so uh, looking forward to see what that brings so um, other than that guys um, oh, I was gonna talk about Branson and all that and eh, but you know whatever. What, what what more there what what more needs to be said um, that is why you can't enforce it that's why the players can't please the game anymore and that's why there's no enforcers so we'll leave it at that but uh, anyway enough of my yap and I've already gone for 20 minutes here so how about we get into my conversation with Steve here and, uh, and like I said it's uh, it's a great history lesson and I hope you guys enjoy it and you uh, Again, folks, I, with the holiday season and everything else, um, I'm really, you know, I know everyone's busy, so, um, I don't know what's going to happen here in terms of, in the next couple of weeks, like, I'll still do some shows, obviously, I'm not going to just go radio silence for weeks and weeks, but, uh, there might be a little, little wrench thrown in here and there, but, uh, I will, I will definitely be coming back, hopefully on, on Wednesday or Thursday here with Alec and Jay, and we'll talk about some minor league fights and everything, and then, uh. You know, I've talked to a few players and stuff and uh hopefully we could set something up here and um uh, you know for the next little bit. But I will make the promise in twenty twenty four when I get the new job um and the new schedule and I will and then like I said I will actually have days off and I won't be all over the place. Um then I can we can get back to a normal functioning uh, regular rotations and, and schedule and we can, and we'll get rolling with things. But, uh, so bear with me in the meantime. But, uh, nonetheless, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I know there's hundreds of podcasts to listen to. And like I always say it and, and I truly mean it. The fact that, uh, that you chose to listen to this, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm humbled and I, and I really want to thank you. And, uh, if you're on social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, get a hold of me, fourth line voice and, uh, my DMs are open as the kids say. Drop me a line. Um, and, and if you're not on social media, hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you, good, bad, or otherwise. If you have a show idea, you want to come on the show, get a hold of me like Steve did, and here we are. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. So, alright. Let's get into this, folks. Thanks everybody, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you Wednesday. And now here's a word from our sponsor. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's Connor Bedard who's going to keep it up here in the new year as we head into the Christmas season. Connor McDavid and the Oilers are starting to heat up here at the quarter pole mark. We'll see what happens here in the new year. But download the app now and use code THPN. New customers get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023, all rights reserved.
2: And now back to your regularly scheduled program.
1: All right, here on the fourth line voice, we have a returning guest. He, uh, when I first had this gentleman on, he was on and he did the uh, 10 rapid fire. And, uh, now he's back. He, uh, S- Steve is on the line. Steve, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Well, thank you. Well, I was about to say, um, you actually got a hold of me on this one and said, Hey, I want to come on and I want to talk about this Gordie Howe and this myth or the myths around Gordy, and I mean, uh, you know, we've kind of uh, been talking about it here before we got going, but uh, you, you've uh, you've got some information, and uh, uh, like I said, I've, uh, to be completely honest before I'll let you get going here, but uh, I've actually been one of the guys that's been fairly critical of Gordy Howe over the years, who's? and uh, who's not who's? that I was ever saying Gordy was the shits or anything like that. No. I said my no. whole, my gripe with not so much with, obviously not with Gordy Howe, but with more of the fandom around him. Yeah. Is anytime you mention Gordy, the only thing anybody can ever yell about is Fontenotto. And that's, that's about it. It's like, well, It's kind of like similar to my, my issue with Robinson, Larry Robinson. Everybody just yells sure. about the Schultz yeah. fight. Yep. And I'm like, okay. Yep. And I said, <laughs> I've often said, I think people, and this is just me talking. This is just my opinion on it. I said, I think some people, It seems that superstar players or Hall of Fame players, I somehow think if their fighting ability gets greatly exaggerated because of how good of a player they are. Now, I'm not... And again, I'm not saying they weren't tough. They certainly were. But it's like, oh, Bobby Orr, oh, he kicked out. Nobody wanted to fight him. Well, right. people that fought regularly <laughs> right, were not right. afraid of Bobby Orr. Like, But it's like, right, exactly, for a Hall of Fame exactly. player, he would stick up yep. for himself, and that's all it is. But people build sure. this up like, oh, he was right up there with O'Reilly and Winsick, you know? And it's like, well, no. Yeah,
0: absolutely, great, just to tear on the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like, well, no. We talked but... a little bit about that in that there's almost some geographic or some regional specialties like that, like, you know, Nick Fotu is a legend in New York. And then, like you said, Larry Robinson, Messier sort of gets that same treatment. Yeah. Uh, Messier is at the far end of the spectrum because uh, outside of the aforementioned, I don't think Messier was really much of a fighter at no, all. No, But, um yeah, yeah. so these guys, and you're right, the, the, the bone the pick is more with the, uh, like Stan Jonathan, my man never lost a fight. You're like, well, I actually, you know, he did. And, and you get tired of that, uh that, that chorus of kind of uninformed people who don't know what's going on. So yeah, I, I, I'm always curious when I, when I hear people talk about the myth of Gordie Howe, and I think uh, what a, one of the things I was interested in coming on here was to talk about sort of the myth of the myth of Gordy Howe, yeah. and you and I started to talk a little bit about that, and I went into this and was, was just telling you that one of the things that was great for me was I, I was, uh, as a young as a teenager, I, was, I saw Bob Prober get knocked out by Todd Ewan in, in real time. Or get floored by, by, by Todd by Toddy, and I'm not even gonna get into that whole mess. But and you know, and it was kind of like the uh I gave up the fantasy that nobody ever got knocked down or knocked out like that there was some unbeatable person. So having said that, I've always kind of you know, that on any given night these guys can all have their moment. So I am looking at these Gordia at uh that Gordy How to and I I think he's fantastic. Like I, I I'm always throwing his name in for Go. I think he you could put up the the reason why. And, and I think that there's that component that comes up where kind of uninformed people are like, well, plus he's the toughest guy ever. You know, the toughest guy ever. And you said, like you mentioned, Fontenot gets thrown in quite a bit. And so that's one that always kind of comes. It never really seems to go beyond men. And so. You and I were just talking about, you know, you can get online and take a look, and it's not hard to find places to sort of source out or talk a little bit about Gordie Howe, and especially there's one place in particular where you can look where they talk about uh, Gordie Howe, and you know, was he a great player? Yes. Was he hockey's toughest player? No. Was he, Or, what, you know, he was tough, yeah, but he was not hockey's top fighter. And this gentleman, and I'm not sure who it is who did the research, but he went through And he starts to talk about all 22 Gordy's fights in his 2,500 games, and he lays them all out here. And it's a great, it's a great resource, and it's where I started looking many years ago too. Um, And what I started, when I really started to look kind of more recently and dig in, there were some things that I thought were kind of flawed about this thing. And this is a list I think that we all, whenever I hear the criticism about Gordy Howe and the myth. You, you named a couple of them. One is that you just get tired of the Pissing matches. You get tired of hearing about the guy never lost, Fontenato. um, that sort of thing. And, and then you hear some of the same names kind of come up. Enzo Nikki got a hold of him, you know, that uh, Larry, big Larry C- Cahan got a hold of him, tossed him around, cut him, he, he bloodied him, you know, and, and that uh, Fern Flamman also. Fern Flamman, who, you know, a, a legit badass. These guys, they're all legitimately tough. In an era of incredibly tough guys, these guys are all, all tough, um, so, you know, you read that and I hear that I often hear that there's a few people online who just that's like chorus. I hear that every time I'll post something about about Gordy Howe, I almost feel like I should also have a trigger warning that so these cats can throw in on their 10 cents and throw the same names in there. Well, you start to look and you can and, you know, there's a couple of things about this list that just pop off to me kind of right away. And one is, you know, it was written in 2012. This this list that we all kind of look at is like the, the Bible of, of Gordie Howe hockey fights is going on, you know, 11, 12 years old. In 2012, you didn't even really have access to box scores in the early 40s. Like that wasn't even something that people had, that mainstream people had access to. So one of my issues was to say, you know, Gordie Howe, here's all 22 of his fights. And people automatically say, well, you know, 22 fights, that's not even one a year. And admittedly, it's not. This is also in an era when the top fight getter for inflaming some of these guys, they're getting five or six fights a year, seven or eight fights a year. It's not until Hextile and Wagner in the late 60s, late 60s, early 70s, that anybody even officially breaks double digits in a single season for fights, you know. But so you think of that number two, only 22 fights. Well one of the things that I think is fascinating as I kinda went back and looked is these guys you're talking about an era, you know, from the late forties, nineteen forty six, where the roster size is fourteen. So if you're taking a guy off the ice for five minutes in nineteen forty six and you're gonna have some legendary coach, whomever that is, from one of those original six franchises, in your ear, you're taking that guy off the ice for five minutes you and I know anybody that looks at that era. I mean, the old joke used to be, you know, spearing is two minutes, and but if you see it come out the other side, it's five minutes. <laughs> you know, like yeah. hold, that old—that was the choke in the in the original sixties. Like you had to literally kill somebody on the ice to get some kind of penalty like that. So what I started to find as I was looking, and you don't even have to look at Gordie Howe—you can find this in other times, like find fights where they'd go at it, but it would be quick, and they'd hit the ice. And now they're giving them five minutes. 70s or 80s are probably giving them five minutes. Not in 1946, not in 1950. You know, and you can also, you can also, there's also places where you can look and they'll say, like, if it's a quick fight, if this guy gets knocked out, nobody's not these refs aren't looking to embarrass anybody like hey take your two minutes in the box and come back out and do it again whatever it is nobody's sitting in the box for five minutes after getting one punched out you know they're just they're just not so i think you got to take a couple things against public like this this list is compiled 11 12 years ago you don't have access to box scores there's all sorts of stuff you know Gordy's dad is talking about how uh, they're listening to him on the radio and he gets in fights in his first 10 games. Well, that's a little bit more, that's mythology, you know. <laughs> it's not really happening. But I'm sure he's out there roughing it up because he's hes breaking ankles uh, in front of the net on defense. He doesn't want to go back to Florida, Saskatchewan, you know, and he's not, he's a teenager. But I, mean, I think, you know, you can't just say, like, he only had 22 fights. Because you can look and you can find references where there were fights, where he did have more fights. And so they're not noteworthy, but he did. And I think the next thing is, like, the Fontenato fight. And, yeah, that's legit. I think there's there's two things that I think are, are kind of problematic with that. And one is that this this diminishes the reputation of Lou Fontenato, who was a really rugged defenseman. And really, I mean, he was setting 10-minute records, and he was legit. He was fighting the Flamins. He he held his own against Rocket Richard. Like, he was doing well against the legit tough tough guys of, of that era. He was not a joke. So I think when we act like you know, there's like, uh, well Gordy Howe beat up this this guy from New York, you know, like this wasn't just some scrub from New York. This was like one of the guys from his era who was a legitimate badass on that team, and it's a it's a it's a drubbing. And I think of it, I think of it. The player that I think that he's most similar to Gordy most similar to is is someone like Clark Gillies. Like, you know, were the real fighters of that era afraid of Clark Gillies? No, but they didn't necessarily, nobody was half-stepping. Nobody was going to him on a shits and Giggles mission. And when Hospitar, you know, took it too far, he got his face busted. And I think, like, there's there's similarities to that. The other thing is that, like, you know, he Gordy Howe, uh, it knocked out Rocket Richard. Rocket Richard, in his autobiography, it's like, the only guy that ever bested me in a fight is Gordy Howe. Rocket Richard knocked people out. He knocked out Fernie Flaming. He he was knocking people out. He was no joke. And I'm not talking like the way Maple Leafs fans give Wendell Clark. I'm not talking like he had eighty seven TKOs. Like, no, I mean he was really he was putting guys on the ice. He was knocking Bill Judds on the ice, you know. So, you know, that's that's like the legit fight. And you go back and you look at these things and you look at like Larry Kahan. And so I go to the newspaper that day and you can find these newspapers now. And they talk about like well, Kahan comes in and belts him with a high stick and bloodies him. They get into it. They exchange body shots. It's a good fight, you know. But that's not what our man says. Our man gives us some line about like, uh, you know, they get into it and um, and uh, uh, Khan, kind of, you know, bunch of punches them around or bloodies them or whatever it was. I can't. I had it here somewhere. But yeah, Gordy took the worst of it. Khan was clearly upset. They both were saying said to land big blows. What I found as I went through here is like a lot of this stuff is just inaccurate you know a lot of this stuff just isn't true and nobody calls this guy out on it so i i have uh have a degree in history darren which i always said like lets me work at the register at mcdonald's i don't have to start off at fries it's like big whoop but i i like to i like to dig in i like to research and this stuff is there now like you know there's some people out there in the vanguard of like box scores and looking at newspapers that i'm just blown away by and there's a couple of them who i think if you were to ask them like Gordy Howe, And I think one in particular would say, like, you know, he's, he's actually probably a better fighter than many of us get him credit for, because I think we're in the period right now where there is that blowback where people are like, you know, uh, hey, he only had two fights. Why does he have the Gordy? He only had two hat tricks. Why is it the Gordy? Howe hat trick? You know, he's he only he, he only had 22 fights. Why? Why do we even he's obviously not a fighter? And I think people are looking at it in sort of the wrong way, but I think that's the, like, you know, fan is short for fanatic. We got people all over who are are, are blinded by their fanaticism. <laughs> and, you know, they don't want to see sort of the reality of what it is. Um, you know, I look at, like, uh, I'm looking at this one on February where, of 65 where he's fighting Noel Picard. He said, The rookie Picard appeared to get the better of the older How when he pulled his jersey over his head and landed two good punches. He then landed how up and Gordy surprised him with two solid rights, and it's like yeah that's that's sort of what it is, except you know you can look at the St. Louis dispatch, you can look at these things, and he wrestles the sweater over his head, but he's not landing any punches and I think the danger of any thing like like mythologizing like that is like if, if there's only one point of view or if there's only one reference, then we're all really limited and I just you know I, I encourage people to get out there and do their own research, on Gordy, but when I get in there and look." Like, he's actually a better, he's a better fighter than I would have given him credit for. Like, I don't really find any real instances, I certainly don't find any real instances of him getting his hat handed to him. You know, maybe when he was younger, and it wouldn't have been a big deal, wouldn't have even made the news, maybe. But from what I can see, in in about the 30-some fights that I've found, he's always competitive at best, you know, and a couple of days ago is the the anniversary or at worst a couple of days ago is the anniversary of him fighting with Fred Shero from 1949 74 years ago and Stan Fischler said you know there's only only stan only Fred Shero and Jack Tex Evans are the only two people that I ever saw fight Gordie Howe to a draw so you know again I'm not buying into the myth that he never lost uh, or that he was he absurdly would never think he was unbeatable it's just hard to find. It's hard to find any instances where it is. Now, again, I, I think of like somebody like Clark Gillies. I almost dare to start the fire by saying like a young start, Scott Stevens, but again, that one should come with the trigger warning. People flip out about him. Steve um, said it. I didn't
1: say it. Steve said yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Send your cards and letters. I'll give you his email. Yeah. All right.
0: Thanks. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't want. He don't get that on me.
0: That. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. You know what's funny is like I am admittedly a huge Gordie Howe fan. I think I just think he's great. I hated Scott Stevens as a player. I hated him. I hated him on the Caps. I hated him when he killed my Red Wings. I hated him. So after all these years, when I'm on, I'm on these boards, like man, the guy could fight, you know? And you're like, no, and you get tired of the overwhelming. Like, oh, he ducked. don't you? Like, okay, whatever. So you go back to. I, I think the guy who's probably most similar to Gordy is somebody like Clark Gillies, and that, you know, he's big, he's strong, he could hurt you if you weren't expect, if, if, it didn't, if you weren't prepared or however it went, he could hurt you in there. I mean, there's a good quote by Butch Bouchard, who was one of the great enforcers of his time, and he said, you know, like, those guys that fought in that era, they weren't afraid of Gordy. He said, but we always knew where he was, and we always were aware of him, and, and we were aware of how strong he was. You know, and, and I think, you go back to that other lifelong kissing that's right i don't believe anybody in that era is afraid of anybody else Uh, are there guys that you don't want to tangle with more than others for sure for sure and i think you know the other thing is that uh in that time those guys were you were just as likely to get a six or eight inch cut on your forehead from a stick as you were to have somebody drop your gloves like those guys they they would use the lumber just as quick as dropping the gloves, and there was no. I, I, I see guys on there that they say, like, you know, what about the code? So there's no. It there wasn't a code, and there wasn't a code in 1980, let alone 1950. So, you know, I mean, those guys, he didn't want to go back to Floral, Saskatchewan. Those guys didn't want to go back to Kirkland, yeah. Ontario. They, they were. If it took running a stick through your mouth to keep from going back to wherever, so be it, man. Better using them. Well, you and like and like
1: you said, I mean, back then when it was the original six, those guys didn't have the luxury of being scared. It was like, no, no
0: king. You would be, you'd be out of the league. You yeah, know? And like I said, I mean, the roster is fifteen to seventeen, so you have less than a hundred NHL guys. Yeah, I and mean, you think about all those guys like Teddy Harris and Terry Harper that just played for years. In the Cleveland, in Cleveland, in the minors, and all the guys yep. out on playing Western hockey, you know, and man, they could have probably had another three or four teams just from yep. the talent that was available for sure. And some of those guys just spent a lifetime in the minors. Well, it's you know? like like Don Cherry. Don Cherry played yeah. f- fifteen yeah. years yeah. in the minors, right? And He talks about it <laughs> all the
1: time. Absolutely. He played when he played one Absolutely. game. He got a one. Oddly enough, his one game, in the NHL is a playoff game, which is kind of wild. But it's like. It is um, wild. Yeah, yeah, they'd call him up for the playoffs, but it's like, but yeah, so it's like, yeah, if they probably had any more than six teams, he probably would have made at some point made the NHL for a little while. But it's like him and him and a lot of guys, right? So it's like, yeah.
0: Well, I just found this fascinating article about Cherry where he was fighting. He was had this nemesis in the minors, uh, and you know, like they're all farm clubs of somebody. They're all they're all you know he's he's on somebody's farm club and he's playing. Montreal's Farm Club, and they have a couple of bench-clearing brawls. And uh, I think it's – oh, is it Selkie? Whoever – like one of the Montreal coaches, he keeps his team on the bench. Well, Cherry sends his boys over the board. You know, it's in in March of 62, and he goes over the board, and he ends up getting into it with Bob Armstrong – Well, years later, like, the Canadians kind of remember him from that event. And and whoever the brass was at the time, I'm drawing blank because I don't really like the Canadians. But um, they're like, you know, I remember him from the minors, and he's not necessarily the type of guy we want. Like, if those guys wanted to, if the brass wanted to, they could stick you someplace for years, and there was nothing you could do. And so many of those guys... You know, they may have had a high school education, maybe. There there wasn't a whole lot else to fall back on. You look at a guy like Brophy, I mean, that guy played forever in minor. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, they, they just didn't, and, and again, you weren't taking food off of his plate. Like, those guys would, they'd slice you from head to toe, you know? Yeah, no, no so, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think, you know, just to kind of circle back with Gordy, like, nobody's unbeatable. I think you go into it with that kind of mindset and you kind of just kind of phase out or block out that the 90% of idiots out there who it's, you know, they don't want to put the work in and it's easier to just kind of say, oh, so-and-so never got beat or so-and-so, you know, it was unbeatable. And I think what I'm finding when I'm looking is like, man, this guy was legitimately tough. Like the, is the fight with Fontenata overplayed? Yeah, for sure it is. But I feel the same way about the Bouchard-Jonathan fight, and I think like you know what Bouchard hadn't fought in almost a year, and before that it was his oh, his last fight was Keith Magnuson. It was like Jonathan's third fight in two weeks, so yeah, I get it, but I'm not gonna act like I'm surprised that he <laughs> he got hammered. Like yeah, I mean Bouchard's best days as a fighter were behind him. So again, like I'm not trying to pee on that trade, but there are all these sort of you know these hockey. Not myths, but these legends that we prop up and that people have just, you know, they just kind of keep them up because uh, it's well, easier than doing the work. And it's, that's fine, man. That's the great thing about being a fan, you know? Yeah, well, the Bouchard Jonathan thing,
1: that fight was actually even until Jonathan switched his hands at the end. It's not, like yeah, it, everybody yeah, yeah. talks like this is just some ass kicking from the gloves <laughs> dropping to the end, right? It's Massive like, bloodlet Yeah, it's like, like no, like, it's a good fight. Yeah, it until he breaks his fight. nose at the left at the <laughs> end, yeah, and then they go down. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but right, it's, right, yeah, right. This, and, so, he, yeah, this absolute destruction of Bouchard, it's like, well, not really. Yeah. Like, like, I had one oh, guy right. the other night, we were sitting there talking, and he's just like, so I had, actually, I had put up a picture of Bouchard throwing a body check or something, and Immediately, yeah, of course, the Jonathan exactly. stuff ends up, exactly. and he's like, oh, well, this... Uh...
0: Help, but do that, yeah. Well, yeah,
1: and then the one guy, of course, goes, oh, this guy will just... The only thing he's ever known for is getting beat up by Stan Jonathan. And I was just like, I, of like, course, I go and look. The guy's from Boston. So I was like, like you said, know, right? And, and I'm like, like, dude, I am mean, it's the literally the
0: only thing they had to hang their hat on for like 30 years in that rivalry was that was the only thing. It was like one time one of your guys beat up our guys on our way to another Stanley Cup victory. You know, Jonathan was fine. He was talking yeah. about, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Bishai was fine. He's like, I don't know what the big deal is. He's like, it's not the first time I've had this big nose, you know, blood eating. And he's like, you don't know what to do. And yeah, I mean, the myth around that, like, you know, he never played again. Yeah,
1: he did. Well, yeah, and it's like, and I think what happened is, of course, it's on Hockey Night in Canada, so it's like that. It went across Canada. mm -hmm. The visual of it, the theater of it, because it did look like blood everywhere. It looked like a murder scene, for sure. At the end of the day, it was a broken nose, which happens constantly. And then, and I'm like, I I said to the guy, I'm like, well, Bouchard played like 700 career games, has five Stanley Cups. I'm pretty (laughs) sure he's not too concerned about the Stan Jonathan fight as much as you are,
0: you know, like. I've said that before, too. Like, he can't hear you because of the five rings in his ears. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is, like, you know, he and his dad are the first father-son duo in, in Hab history to win the Cup together. Again, I'm not a Hab fan, but when you're the first to do anything in a franchise like that, like, that's what, you, that's what you're going to be – like, that's where your your pride is going to come from. What, he's going to walk around a hat in hand in Boston and hope, like, hey, can I sign one of those pictures to make some money? Why would he even leave Quebec? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, but I mean, you know, the other thing too, like you said, like you got Wensink challenging the stars bench that uh and that gets high profile. There's there's probably five guys challenging benches that year. You know, you got Stuart challenging benches. You got people but that because that's high profile, it's like well that that guy's right out of slap shot. you know, and, and yeah, he is. He's one of the handful of guys that I would uh not turn my back on in any sort of brawl. Like that Winsink was he was a bad man. Like, he hurt people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, those those kind of legends that get woven into the mythology of the game, and then, you know, people get tired of them, and you get that blowback, and people get tired of... Uh of talking about Gordy and Lou, and there's no video. You know, there's just no video. Yeah. So it's even harder when there's no video, and you got to kind of put it up. And, and you know, I, I read these newspaper accounts, and I take them with a grain of salt because these guys are riding on the trains with the players, and these guys are getting, you know, some of them are catching checks from the club, so they're not, gonna be, they're well, not
1: going to be well. No, no. Yeah. Much, see you know? this. This was my. This was okay. All right, I'm going to cut you off here, because this is where I got a couple questions for you here, or a couple, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, uh, well, I was going to say, like you said, the problem with the house stuff is there's no video, so I said, yeah. that, that hurts, I said, the yeah. worst thing Fontenot ever did was let Life Magazine take a picture of him in the hospital, oh my God. that was Who the stupidest kid? thing he ever did, because all it was, no was, kidding. again, a broken nose, but they oh, you take you know, a picture of him. Holy shit! It looks like he was out for months, and it was like, well, no, it was a broken nose. I
0: mean, I mean, Darren, imagine imagine there's no video of Wendell Clark and Marty McSorley, but all we get the next day is the picture in the paper of Marty with that that shiner, and you're going to be like, oh, okay, Darren, you know, sure he won. Well, that was see that's <laughs> again, the, and I was going to I was going to say
1: that's a perfect example. <laughs> but not, yeah, so when like Mar- flyer, after that fight, when Marty's leaving the ice. And he kind of knocks the camera down because he's bleeding. Oh, see? See? (laughs) And it's like, you do realize if you watch that fight, and I love Wendell, I love me Wendell, I love both guys, but I mean, Marty landed about 35 more punches than Wendell did in that fight, but Wendell landed the best one, right? So you of course again it's exactly it's the theater stuff of it, right?
0: People start propping it up. Yeah, exactly. And I've said it before myself, just just some of it. Everybody else like yeah, oh yeah, the winner always covers the camera on his way off the ice. You know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, oh and there was I mean, a McLaren
1: McLaren Parker Scott Parker, Steve yeah, McLaren, yeah, that was yeah, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, Mc- he, Parker literally put him out for weeks with a fractured <laughs> nose and like he had to get right. constructive certain it's Like, well, yeah, but McLaren right. outpunched him. I'm like, well, yeah. okay. If that's how you need to get a win, I'll take the loss every night. That, Cause exactly. Parker kept playing. McLaren missed like six weeks. So it's like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No kidding. But it's yeah. the, it's, no. but, uh, but yeah, you know, so, to get back right. to Fontenot, right? So stupidest thing Lou did was that pitcher, but, Anyway, I, I yeah. was going to ask you, um, as you go through newspapers.com, I see. Uh, some, I should have got the other Steve on here, too, from ProbertWasKing.com. He's a vanguard,
0: man. He's the one that I was mentioning earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, he's an inspiration. He's the one that found all this stuff. And he came into this. I could tell by some of his posts and how he was approaching it that he was coming into this like, ah, this dude's overrated. I don't see that so much in what he says. And, again, that's his. that's his show for you. But I think if you were to ask him, I suspect he would say, he's a better fighter than he might get credit for. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you and know? the, th-
1: and the great thing when I had Steve on, when Probert was king.com, for those wondering. yeah, Um, when yes. I had him on, uh, well, ep- I don't even know what, I'm not even going to try to guess what episode, m- many episodes ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. Steve, of course, uh, went with the newspapers.com and everything into researching. He went right yes. back to the beginning of the NHL like the yeah. 1900s and it was like oh, 1890s yeah. and stuff. So he's talking Absolutely. about like Joe Bad Joe Hall and all those guys, right? Oh, and man. Like Spray clay well, he, And he was, re- yeah, he, and he had a ton of stuff. He had, he had some totally. great, he had some great insights on the, on the episode with talking Absolutely. about those guys. You know, I feel
0: like in, in that regard, he is again ahead by a century. Like he is so far ahead. And honestly, um I mean, it's just not my, it's not my area of interest but I like I love what he posts and I love to read about it you know? and yeah. and again like man that guy yeah again I have a I have a great appreciation for how he's going about doing things for sure you know?
1: yeah and I mean and that's the thing and that's why I always try to tell these other guys it's like even when I did the episode I think in the in the in the uh um uh intro to that episode when I was talking I said a lot of even younger fans are well young well we're all younger than Sprague Cleghorn, but I mean uh you know, <laughs> you know but everybody we always like oh Baruby Probert Twist you know that's kind of what everybody talks about I'm like well there is no mm-hmm. Baruby Twist or Probert without Sprague Cleghorn and Bad Joe Hall it's and a all the, it's a, you know, yeah yeah absolutely. they stand on the shoulders of those guys right you know, like yeah absolutely. and like yeah and like yep. and same thing as we go on with Gordy Howe and Flamin these guys it's like Ted Harris and stuff like that it's like well you can look back on them and say well oh they get destroyed by Bugard. Well, yeah, it's like it's evolution, man. Of course, yeah, you know, you know, like I always say, my 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 SUV ran a lot better. than My '78 Nova did, but I mean, you know, come on now, let's you know. I mean, we got to look at you have to you have to look at things with a
0: in through a vacuum when you're looking at eras, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And with hockey, it's even more challenging like that. I mean, they're just like it just blew up. I mean, you have your like Red Horner for all these years, you know, lead the league in penalty minutes. And then you do, you got your early 60s, and uh, and then there's that small window between where, like, Ferguson's retiring and Curtinbach is kind of, his injuries are catching up. And you got your Teddy Harris's, and you got Wayne Cashman, and there's this moment where Keith Magnuson, he pops out of nowhere, and because he's just a maniac on the ice, like, that guy's dangerous, like, he's, he's getting in fights and swinging from his heels. And if you don't know what to expect, like, he's catching some guy. You know, he took out Earl Heskela and Heskela was a respected policeman. The, the thing was, like, there were no policemen in that window because the super nuclear age hadn't really shown up. And then when you get these guys, like, Howitt that are fighting 25, 30 times a year, like, I mean, that, those are team totals sometimes. No. You know, and it's also, it's just different. It's a different era. It's a different, and yeah, I really... I really have a hard time kind of separating guys. And I, I hate to, to kind of do my like I, I hate to do it because it sounds like disrespectful in my own mind. But I'm like, can Bukar take a shift in 1970? Can he take one in 1950? I mean, what are we doing? Are we having like just guys that sit on the bench and then like, come out and fight? Or are we playing a hockey game and then there is a fight?
2: Because,
0: you know, <laughs> you know like, or, or is the guy that plays 20, 20-some minutes a game, is he the same as the guy that gets a 45-second shift? And, again, I have nothing but respect for those guys, so I'm not trying to dog them. But when I'm thinking in my mind, like, where do these guys fuss out? Like, are we playing a game or are we just doing, you know, rock them, sock them? Because, you know, like, what are the parameters here?
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, and there is that. Well, and the, like, as you said, right, as the, as the eras changed, everything, the mindset changed. And, yeah. you know, and how they looked at it. And like you said, towards the end, it became when you get the McIntyres and Boogards and it became nuclear weapons, right? And Colton and, yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. and it was like, you know, so, and then before that, even in the <laughs> 80s and stuff like that, those guys still had to play. Yeah. You had to play and then, yeah. yep.
2: mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I think,
1: and even in the 70s, I mean, Schultz is obviously kind of looked at as, oh, the hammer, the king of the goons, whatever you want to call him. Well, he had a 20-goal year. Yeah. Schultz wasn't oh, yeah. a, Schultz wasn't shift. the three, yeah he wasn't the three minute dummy and I think sometimes no. people newer younger fans yeah. kind of view him as like a McIntyre no disrespect yeah. to Steve yeah, McIntyre yeah, or anything but you know what I'm saying
0: yeah. for this idea right for the, right right no disrespect to any of those guys no. Yeah, absolutely like you got to take a regular shift and then they're doing it in the playoffs too yeah yeah you know I I was reading in Dennis Potvin's autobiography and it's called I think Power on Ice and he talked about his first game against the Flyers and how much Schultz was in his head. And we're talking about Dennis Poffin. I mean this guy is like uh He's not lacking for confidence, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know, but he talked about like, Man, I'm looking over my shoulder all the time and I that's what I always say about Schultz and that's why I always say, like, you know what, I'd take him over George LaRocque because I want people looking over their shoulder for my guy, not my guy coming up and asking you for a fight and then you politely declining and my guy saying, Okay, cheerio, yeah. have a good day, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, yeah Schultz, Schultz wasn't like, asking,
0: you know. No, uh-uh. and none of those guys were. I mean, no. There's a lot. Like, you know, like, It's not hard to find pictures or even to read about guys like they suckered people in brawls all the time. If your head wasn't on a swivel and you were out there, I mean, I posted that photo a while ago of Ted Harris, and he's just winding up to cold cock Bobby Orr. You know, and Orr's glove is dropped, and I think. I mean that's the problem with pictures. I think he, he you know, I think overreacted, and he didn't. We well, he, uh, he didn't get knocked out. He didn't get dropped. But, I mean, you see Ted Harris like, oh hey, here's here's uh, here's his welcome to the NHL. Yeah, <laughs> you know, welcome to the National League, Bobby. You know, and you can. I mean, I read about Barclay Plager doing that when these brawls are coming up. If you're not paying attention, these guys think nothing about
1: cold cocking you. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think, and that's the one thing that I've I've ranted on this show. <laughs> hundreds of times about it but it, it and and again I think people try to put this I like again younger well I do I keep saying younger fans it, well it's not just younger fans but these people that have this idea of the code in their head yeah. and so they just look at like you said if they go back to the seven or whatever and Semenko or any guys like that it's like or even Dave Brown and stuff and it's like well they just jump people. They were suck, they just (laughs) sucker punched people and it's like. Well, right. no. What they were doing was enforcing, which is exactly what they were paid to do. Exactly. It's like th- there was exactly. none of this, like, "Hey, bro, do you want to have a tussle?" Like, you know, exactly. it's like no. Right. There's
0: no butt tapping afterwards, no. and I'll see you on the golf course, and your ex girlfriend is my current girlfriend. Yeah, and see it, at the MGM.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, and I think people they they often for like, well, they don't understand. I've said this a bunch of times. Yeah. I've even said on the forum a bunch of times. I said I've you people truly do not understand what the enforcer is because it's no. so far gone now and so far, right. even in the last like, I okay. said, I've said it on the show I said, I, current, like players don't know what what enforcing no, no, is. No,
0: no, no, I don't even blame these guys because they didn't grow up. I mean no. you know, when you think about like, okay, so who's the last that, if you're a current player, who's the last enforcer you probably saw, saw? And I haven't followed the game in years, but I'm thinking Sean Thornton you know, he's the last one that I kind of thought and I thought he did it yeah, well, first off, the enforcer, as you and I invented in him, couldn't exist today. It just couldn't exist. I mean, because no. the enforcer that you and I think of, like, I, I like Joey Kosha. I'm a big wing fan, you know, but I don't, begr- I'm like, man, if you didn't know Dave Samenko was coming for you with that game after you just dropped John Jackson, like that's on you, dude. So like I I never have been like, Well, you know, Svenko should have given him the warning and he should have, No. Kosher's head should have been on a swivel and he should have had that stick out like a bayonet. or well, he should have been ready to go. You know, like no, I, like I said, but My Mount Rushmore of enforcers are guys that had the other team looking over their shoulder. I don't care if you're the world's greatest fighter. Like I don't I I'm I'm not a huge Nick Fosu fan, you know, and part of that is like I don't need the showmanship. Get in there and do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Know? Well, there, like, like there I've always it, said, man. there's a diff- there's a difference between enforcing and fighting. Yeah. And absolutely. I think some people absolutely. can't make the make the distinction. It's like, oh no, there's yeah. Like I said, when it came down to fighting, Ah, yeah, Mick Surly was probably a better fighter than Samanko was. But it was like, yeah, probably. I would yeah. say Samiko was probably. Well, now that I take that back, I might not even say. You know,
0: it's it's a totally different fight. The longer it goes, the better yeah. it is for Marty. Yeah. You know, I mean, Samiko light out of the hop is going to throw huge bombs, but then those what, however many packs a day is going to catch up pretty quick.
1: Yeah, but it's like both the, <laughs> yeah. both those guys were not going to, like that was the thing. It was there was no code. There was none of this. Like you no. said, the thing with Koser. Well, it was it. I always say with this I said this it didn't just fall out of the sky. No. Like no, Simeko no. wasn't sitting on the bed boy, I better get a quick jump on him or Joe, cuz Joey's got that big right. No, it had all, it had <laughs> nothing it had nothing to do with fighting Koser until Coaster, no. like you said beat up Don yeah. Jackson and set that yeah. met and then it was like all right, well I got to get the momentum back for our team here and that's why Simeko did Lico what he told? did.
0: He tells Marty in like '83 when Marty comes over from Pittsburgh. He says, you know, sometimes we got to remind them. Sometimes we must remind them. You know, yeah. in it his it is only like Saminko can do. He says over in the gravelly voice, Marty. Sometimes we got to remind them. And then he probably went out and you know threw Paul Baxter's head into the stands or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and and like you said, and I think and I think people don't understand so that. They like great, they said they just great. they look at this. No, no. Well, you have to have a square off. And right, it's, you know, right. and it's Markets like, Queensberry. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, that's a very, right. like I always say that that's a really, I think people get this like romantic look at fighting sometimes. And it's like, you yeah. don't really understand what it really is. Like it's right. become such a, it's become such a, um, for lack of a better term, I was saying it the other day, it's become a sideshow.
0: Yeah. Yep. I agree. You know, yep. and I don't have a
1: problem with that. I mean, like I said I'm an LMAH oh, yeah. guy. I don't like that shit. I don't care. But right. <laughs> at the same time, let's not confuse the two. Exactly. And I think, and I think people exactly. do. And I think, especially the younger, yeah. fans, they look like you always. Oh, Probert and Rob Ray get all this shit. Oh, they weren't tied down, so they really weren't that. Probert really wasn't that good. Yeah. It's like, well, there was no rule <laughs> right, against right, it, right. and you keep talking no. like the other people in the league weren't allowed to do it. They were I allowed know. to do it, too. That. You know, like... Well, you
0: know what's fascinating? Because, again, I watched that in real time, and I'll bet you... Darren, if you go back there and you watch, whatever, the first 20 pro fights, and, it, and I don't even... I wouldn't even hazard a guess, but say the sweater comes up in half of those, I'll bet you in every one of those fights, Mickey, whomever it is, says, like, oh this is bad news. We all grew up thinking, like, that the sweater came up. That was only a step away from getting it over your head, and then you're just going to get pummeled, you know? Yeah. So, you know, there weren't a lot of people, to me... It looks like it looks like Cochran is like the earliest shedder, you know, in my mind. I mean, he looks like he's the earliest guy to just be like, fuck this, I'm out of it, and just get out and swing like a madman. I think Butch Bouchard did a little of, of getting out of the sweater too. He did the first to pull on the sweater over the guy's head. But I mean, yeah, at the same time, like back then, it was fifty-fifty. Fans are looking at that like, is that a good thing that Probert's coming out of the sweater? Is it a bad thing? Yeah. And you know, I mean, I'm a I'm a huge Probert fan, but it's like for me, Ray is like, ah, that's silly, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and If it's the other way around, I'm probably like, "What? Well, it's no different. It's all on the same spectrum. But in my mind, like, I mean, Nyland talks about it all the time. He's like, you've got to fight Dave Brown in that brawl. Bounty's got nothing for him to hold on. To. Yeah, <laughs> <You know?
2: laughs> like it's a
0: huge difference. It's a huge difference. But again, like you said, it, like everybody else could have done the same thing. They all could have done yeah. the same thing. And everybody, Brett's not on there very often anymore. But Brett Hoover used to post all those sweaters that were altered. And the guy that does like the the minor league thing, the drop-your-gloves minor league thing. Like, that guy's got – like, all these guys are cutting their sleeves. i got a clipping – got a clipping that I should share with you where Dave Brown wears three different sweaters one game, like three different jerseys – like, not three different – like, three different numbers. Like, he's number 21, number 19, and, like, 35. And because every every jersey something he's altered in the game, it gets, like, thrown out. You know what I mean? It was like – yeah. So – Right, is Dave Brown, is it, do we take points off of Dave Brown because he's shortened the length of his sleeve? Or do we just say, like, man, that's gamesmanship? And you know what the Raiders said on the way out the door, like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Number two, see number one. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing, too, that people just can't understand is, like, you're taking food off people's table. Like, if, you're, yeah. if you if you get beat ones, I mean, John Hillworth, like, look at that guy. Like, he's... He's a bad dude. He's fighting all these guys in the minors. He's doing great. He comes up, and he just gets manhandled by Ben Wilson, who's doing that. But his, his general manager is Terrible Ted, and Terrible Ted thinks he's got to go out and either ram his stick down his throat or whatever. You know, Hellworth in the, in the locker room, like he ran a 100-yard dash in a 90-yard gym. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's like not Ted like in this generation we don't send guys back out into the ice. like I've got a whole set of pictures that I've thought of been like would be funny concussion protocols like you know Western Hockey League in the 70s and they're just pulling guys off the ice like they're drunk out of a bar yeah. <laughs> you know, like skates are dragging behind them and everything people have no idea how violent it was because the game was so regional and just not televised and you know, when, when it started to grow and get bigger and it wanted, Gary wanted to attract the soccer moms, like, you just couldn't have that. You couldn't have guys breaking sticks over other guys' heads. You couldn't have them jumping into the penalty pot. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, it just wasn't going to sell the way he wanted to. And eventually, like, it just became like it wasn't part of the, like, you know, I think where fighting is now, to me, it looks like where it was in the original six days. Like, it's all kind of a spectrum. Like, you know, there just weren't, Massive amounts of fights like that. Like you're looking at, I don't remember, but I saw a couple of years ago. It looked like Evander Kane led the league, maybe a couple of years in a row, with like 150 penalty minutes. And like, man, you know, Glenn Cochran had that by 15, 18 games. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and know, I, th- I used to lose.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I th- well, I think what you're seeing nowadays is. A lot, a lot of the fights now are front wall. <laughs> of course the big, oh it's yeah. a big hit, they have to fight. Well not really, but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. these fights are happening through creation. Yeah. Through something happening. There's not really appointment yeah. fighting anymore. Like, yeah. there's still, yeah. now and again I'm sure there is, but I mean, for the most part, it's not like, oh Reeves is out, Delorier's out, okay, now we have to fight. It's well sometimes it right, is.
0: Right, right, right. Right, right. But, but yeah, you know right. what I mean? It's you're like right. it's it's more yeah. like mm-hmm. No, you're we'll, right. We'll you're fight because there's a chance that those guys don't fight. Yeah. There's gotta be something that happens on the ice yeah. for those guys to step into what they're gonna do. They just aren't gonna do it just to do it the way our guys did. And yeah, that's for somebody else to debate whether it's better or worse. But it's just That's the nature of the game. Like they're not just stepping on the ice and throwing them before they drop the puck.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think now and I think probably with a lot of guys, you're you're gonna find like a Ross yeah, like a team might have fifteen fights total, but you might have one guy that's got five, but then there'll be like there'll be ten guys with one. Because it's like well, because everything there is no enforcer anymore. Like I think that's what happened like back in the eighties and nineties especially. It was like, yeah. well, when the Stars got hit, well, yeah, so if, like, now if the Stars get hit, they kind of have to fight themselves, more or less. They'll do their own kind of mm-hmm. fighting, and, I mean, it ain't much of a fight. It's a game of slap and tickle because right. the other guy that he's kind of fighting <laughs> really doesn't fight either, so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Whereas before, it was like he'd come back to the bench, and, like, Stu Grimson would be like, I got it you know, whatever, and then they would go out. Well, and I always laugh, and when you actually look at it, when you really break it down, kind of the stupidity of it, really. I always said, like, (laughs) A hits hits B, so then C goes
0: out and fights D. Yeah, well... (laughs) You know, I mean I always think and this is another one of those myth busting things and this is one that I would just catch nothing but shit for. But I've never seen a hockey player deterred by another hockey player's actions. You know, like I've heard like, Oh man, that guy's so lucky he didn't play in the eighties. Like, do you know who Paul Baxter was? Like do you know who Ken Lindsayman was? Like that dude would have never survived like there have been rats in the game forever. And I've never seen one of them, one of their behaviors deterred because of a potential ass kicking. I've never seen it. You know, I've never, did Sean Avery stop being a punk, you know, or whatever he was in Detroit after he was getting lessons from these Hall of Famers? No, he went out and did his thing. (laughs) I just, I I am really, I'm reluctant to buy into that. The other one that I don't believe is true either is like, well, if you take fight now, you're going to get a lot more stick work. Like this game has, stick work has always been in the fabric of this game. And it's been there whether you've got guys that have 30 fights a year or whether you've got guys that have five fights a year. There's always stick work. (laughs) You know, is it worse in Europe? I don't know. I'm not over in Europe. I have no idea. But I just don't think of either of those things you can honestly say. Like, well, fighting's a deterrent to that. No, fighting is an outlet. And fighting has its place. But it's not a deterrent. (laughs) No, I don't think Oh, it's definitely, yeah,
1: there's definitely an outlet. I mean, you know, I mean, because you look at, like, I mean I've had guys on this show that did both well, my brother did both, played junior and played college. And he was like, Well, college was oh. com- was completely dirtier because you can't fight. Well, yeah. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, th- yeah, they're yeah. also they're also wearing full cages. So it's oh, like totally, totally. you know, so that yeah. becomes like yeah. that'd be interesting. See, because up here in yeah. Canada, our university hockey, they were half visors. But they still not lo-
0: believe that it, that it's not bigger in Canada. Like I went to school in North Dakota and I was like uh I was blown away because I was like, man, hockey here is like football at the University of Michigan, you yeah. know. And I mean, I was—I I had Mike Commodore as a classmate, but I also had gone because I'm a lifelong student. there. I had like Dean Jackson, Dixon Ward. I was friends with Greg Johnson. Like those guys were so accessible and so nice back then. I mean, you had a campus of ten thousand people, but I'll tell you what, man, when the Red River Valley when the when the war with Minnesota came on. I still watch college hockey because it's the only hockey that I see that actually has that vitriol and hate. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they, where they actually hate each other. You know, and and I'm not pretending like there's heavyweights coming out of it, but you know when I, there there were big brawls, there were fights, and I think you're right. I, I absolutely. Well, I mean, you can look back and see research and, and look back in the 80s, like the helmets coming along, and you got guys are so like, you know what? I'd run that guy. I might not run him if he didn't have a helmet. But if I look over and that guy has got a helmet on, he's like, yeah, I might give him a stick. I might put a shoulder in him. They all to a person were like, this is a dangerous slope. When you start gearing people up and protecting them to the point that they can't be hurt, like then you're gonna have these buzzsaws all over the ice that aren't worried about anything. And I think you and I saw like there was a decade that when you and I, in the 80s when I started 70s and 80s when I started really getting into it stretchering wasn't a verb i never saw anybody get stretchered off the ice and then it seemed like in 2000 it was like every other night somebody's career was being added because they were being blindsided by somebody else you know and like there was plenty of guys in the league doing fight and that wasn't stopping anybody but it was like man these guys are just so protected right now that they think they're impervious to pain and like you said like I played with a a mask for a while before I realized, like, man, it doesn't matter how quick I think I am. There's deflections and sticks out here, and I don't have the type of cash that I can pay for a full
2: jersey. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's all interesting, and I think it's you know, it's one of those things I look at those lists that people make, and I think, like, uh, man, those lists are really hard. Like, I've been trying to, I've been thinking about a list for the Hockey Fights and Brawls page about, like, most underrated. And I think, like, man, that's super hard because then, like, you, you know, you got a guy like Randy Holt that is really well known, um, in his era, but gets absolutely no attention after a certain time. And I was like, well, would you, what does he make? Does he make that list? Or, you know, I think it's hard, you know, or is that, uh, is there Mark Rippon on that list because he only played for a while? Or, I'm sorry, not Mark Rick Rippon, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and I was like, man, I love Rick Rippon. I thought he was, he was, he's one of probably the last guys that I I absolutely loved watching fight, you know, and he's a fantastic fighter, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all fascinating. I think it's all, you know, fanatic and <laughs> fandom and uh, it's uh, it's just it, hockey itself is so hard to separate by eras you know because of roster size real yeah. changes all that stuff when I watch the game now I look at it and I don't watch much of it but I think like man the game has never looked faster and it's like but it's almost too fast like they can't quite catch up they're not making the plays you know and, and I think like there's probably hockey players have probably never been in better condition they've probably never been more skilled you know as the, the, they're probably at an elite level but it's just like they're just kind of – it seems sometimes like they're these overcoached robots, and it doesn't have much kind of, like, uh, room for improvisation or um, – because everybody's about the same, like, you don't have that – like. Uh, uh oh, somebody got stuck out on the ice. You know, Gretzky's out on the ice against snaps or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: you know?
2: Well, and, and, yeah, expensive. and it's probably
0: like every sport, you can pretty
1: much say it's probably overcoached now, right? Because it's like it's well and the it's thing it's is is it's there's it's is, there's, is there's, there's there's too much money. Well, it's yeah, not too it's much why I don't begrudge yeah. these guys making their money, but it's just like there's so, so, money in, there's so much money and there's so much money involved. You can't afford to yeah. Ah, just like we'll go out there and wing it, boys. You know, we'll play some pond hockey tonight. Like, you know, we're not Glenn Sather in the eighties with do? the Oilers. Like, what you
0: guys want to do? <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, no. Like this guy. He, he's no. like. That's the same with coaches, right? I mean, they got to put food yeah. on the table too, so they're gonna yeah. be. So these guys are really. Yeah, like you said, I think the best thing with these players, it's like everything's so cookie cutter. It's like they're. Yeah. I mean, you'll get your Crosbys and your McDavid's, of course, but I mean, for the most yeah. part, that second second line, third line guys, those those six forwards right. there. They're pretty much interchangeable, like in my opinion. Like there isn't much of a difference and they're all oh they're all in great shape. They can all skate. They can all do this. I mean, yeah.
0: They're all gonna get you seven goals and eight assists and thirteen penalty minutes. Yeah. (laughs) I look at these guys and they're gonna be six five and two twenty. I'm like, What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, and I think the biggest difference is is those 3rd and 4th liners and that, or that 3rd pairing, the 5th and 6th D whereas like, those guys would have been maybe a little bit less on talent but man, they hacked their way out of foam lake and they weren't going back and you put those Gary Hart's out there and you put those guys out there and what they lacked in skill, they made up for the an emotion, and they brought this other element to the game that just doesn't seem like it's there now and, and again, you go back to like, man, these guys have all been in development camps together, some of them been in college together, they're, they're with each Others, you know, they're trading girlfriends, they're sending Instagram photos, whatever, you know, and at the end of the day, they're like, really, I, I gotta, Darren and I are gonna punch it out, like, I make $2 million a year, how about if I just look to the ref and say, like, do something about what you do
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I, when I see the game now and you see somebody get hit, you, you know, I saw Larkin get hit, and that really wasn't that bad of a hit, but you look around and these guys are all, like, pleading to the ref, you know, 20 years ago, there would have been some guy. well, did. He came flying in and crocodile. Yeah. The, the, the wrong guy.
1: But that's <laughs> exactly what would have now.
0: happened 20 years ago, too. Yeah. You look at him, and he's got the lineage because whatever locker room he was in, I mean, I, that guy's been around probably, what, 13, 15 yeah. years? I mean, yeah. if, I, if I recognize his name. Whatever locker room he was in as a kid, there was the guy in that locker room that wasn't looking around for the referee. He flew right to that point of contact and he jumped in. He said, "We'll suss this out later if I got the wrong guy, but you guys are gonna know. You're not knocking my captain down, you know, not without a callback, not without some other clapback." So, yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I went after the wrong dude, but it is what it is in today's NHL, and he got six games for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff too. That it would have been like in in the 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s, like they were giving out misconducts and game misconducts like candy. And I think that's why you get, like some of these guys get, you know, double game misconduct, you know, and they're like, oh man, we yeah. got 40 minutes in penalties last night. <laughs> well, that was like the other night, ne- well, a couple of weeks back, Florida and
1: whoever. They're like the one, the ref gets on there. He gives every guy on the ice a 10-minute conduct. Of course, everybody's going (laughs) on, oh, yeah, what a huge brawl, and I've I've never heard of that before. I'm like, there was one fight. I'm like, that's embarrassing is what that was. (laughs) Like, no,
0: There were 60 minutes in penalties. Like, really? And then you watch, you're like, what? For this strum? (laughs) Okay, all right. But yeah, then, like, I, it's like, I wouldn't have given
1: half those guys a penalty. I would have just told them to get off the ice, all. you know? It's exactly. like, but not everybody's just like, oh, it was awesome. And I'm like, what is awesome about watching uh, no 10 glass guys get 10
0: minute misconducts? It's like, this is boring <laughs> as shit, you know? Right, it's $90 to slap the glass when these guys are all hugging each other. Yeah, like, I don't get it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, I know we're kind of, we're going all over the place here. I wanted to go back yeah. and just touch on something that you had mentioned. Sure. Well, it's something that I have found, um, like, obviously, I haven't done that. I need to get on this hockey. I need to get on this newspapers.com. I need to get down that rabbit hole.
0: But, uh, or, it is, it is yeah. a total way. It's a brand new way to piss away a lot of times. Yeah. That's not hard at all. Everyone opens a new door and you're like, whoa, off someplace else. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so it's like, but I have, I've seen, like, I have Yuka, Yuka. I know you're listening out in Finland. He sends me, like, if I, especially if I'm going to interview a guy. He'll go through oh, the newspaper, cool. he'll look up stuff and everyone's, like, oh, he'll that's throw, great. well, it's been cool because that, especially the minor league guys, right? And he'll throw out yeah. like, oh, you read something from like, you know, whatever the Knoxville Gazette and I bring yeah, it up to the, the guy reason. on the air and he's like, how the hell do you know about that? And it's like, <laughs> you know, cause this is like from 1989 yeah. or something, right? And it's like, well, newspapers.com, but, but what I was, was going to say
0: hyper regional game for years. It's yeah. you know? Well,
1: and that's the thing, right? And I was going to say to go back to the how thing. When we're talking about, and we're, you know, greatest hockey legend guy here talking about all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I had talked to Steve about this very article here, and I was kind yeah. of mentioning 22 fights. And if you read this and he was, and he said the same thing. Well, yeah, but it's interesting. He said when whatever example we'll use when he, the Flamin fight. Okay. So you yes. go mm-hmm. and you read the Detroit paper. Oh, well, Gordy beat the fuck out of them, right? But then you read the <laughs> Toronto paper. Ah, yeah. oh, firm manhandled them, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, okay. So, like you said, there, it's like anything in life, right? It's like <clears throat> the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, and you and that, and yeah. that's the mm-hmm. thing. Even if you go back, well, I went back and on the newspaper, and I, I did the research. Well, you did, but it's like You did part of the research Yeah, and it's like all you And like you said, all you can rely on You're relying on the guy that rode on the train back with To Detroit with Gordy and, right. You know, so it's like, right. well, so it's his writes, description
0: like, oh, Flamin kick Gordy's ass up and down the ice You think he's going to get a quote from Gordy the next game? Exactly <laughs> you know? like, So no. there, But you know, there's not a lot of those There's not a lot of those like, Well, that's I mean, what I was, was going to ask think...
1: Like, did you find, like, if you looked no. at both papers Did they somewhat match? Like, because Steve was kind of saying They yeah. pretty much matched up pretty good they In did. terms of the they description
0: really do. They really do I mean, there's some different things And I got into it with somebody a couple weeks ago That was talking about, like, well, Barclay Plager beat him up. And I I said, no, he didn't, you know. And then I said, like, this is what happened. And they said, well, he let him – he helped him up. I said, no, he – like, you can look at different newspaper references, and they all say that he let Gordy up. I said, but he didn't help him up. And I said, and there's a difference between letting somebody up and helping somebody up. I said, but you can definitely see in the dispatch that, like, yeah, they they tussled and Barclay Plager, for whatever reason, let Gordy Howe up. And in one paper – Barclay Plager fires off a couple of shots in the other paper. Gordy Howe fires off a co- they both fire off shots, but Gordy Howe shots Fat Plager and he decides he doesn 't want any more so you know, I mean, yeah, like you said, and you you do it enough, and you look, and you're like, all right, so the crux is, like, this was a fight. And, you know, there's no instant replay. Like, the guys who are watching it have to go off what they're seeing. And I'm yeah. thinking about, like, games that I saw. And, and you know, I think in, you got to factor in, like, some of it's just an unreliable narrator. Like, there's the human element. And, you know, I, I think sometimes about, like, uh... When I'm watching, I think it's the the famous one. is like a Probert fighting Dave Manson, and he's oh, and Mickey just loses it. Oh, he knocked him down, you know. And then you watch in the replays, like oh, he actually never touched him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like Manson lost his footing. But see, you don't have that replay. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, well remember I saw I saw Prober just knock Dave Manson out like, Yeah? You know what I mean? Like so some of these guys they got they're going off these things and they're up in gondolas. I mean they got good purchase, but it's not like they can go back and watch the film. It's not like the television we're gonna replay it at eleven. You know, the game will be replayed at eleven. I, I you know i I'm by we we're watching the same the the Avs versus the Red Wings, March 27, nineteen ninety six. And we're watching that in the bar By the time the game's over, like, they're starting to replay it at 10, and we're all staying there again. We, you know, (laughs) like, we're watching it again. And But there was nothing like that. So, no, I haven't found a whole lot of glaring – what I would call homerism. You know, I always think it's funny when people give Turk shit about his Boston homecoming. Like, who do you think's cutting checks for this dude? You think he's going to be talking about like that was a fair flight? Yeah. <laughs> Where the buddy's like, no man, he's a homer. Like they're all homers. A big whistle. All those guys are homers. Like because they're riding, they're getting, they're riding on that gravy train. You know. I don't see too many glaring instances. I was talking to, to Nick Mara about one that I had seen recently. It didn't have to do with Gordy Howe, but it was about Battleship Kelly. And in the Atlanta paper, he's fighting Pat Quinn. And in the Atlanta paper, they give it to Pat Quinn. And then in the Pittsburgh paper, of course, it's Kelly's victory. And so you don't see this too often, but this is pretty glaring. And, you know, they, like these guys also wrote these things. They were under the impression that at that it ends up on microfiche in some nerd's library but there's no way there's going to be some nerd 50 years later like me geeking out at one in the morning reading it on a personal computer you know they're writing this shit and they're not expecting anybody's going to verify anything or they're going to look into anything like it's done it's it's written and it's off into the ether after that you know yeah so, well and <laughs> and, and they're stuff. and they're
1: writing it for pittsburgh's fans I'm the Pittsburgh yes, exactly. reporter. That's who's going to be reading it. The people of Pittsburgh. You got it. So it's exactly. not like it's not it. like somebody out in Detroit's going to start yelling, "Oh, bullshit! <laughs> I was there!" Like <laughs> right, no, right, they right. won't even know it existed,
0: right? So right. Well, I happen to subscribe to the Pittsburgh Gazette. That's not what happened. Like, exactly. Not right. Like that. Yeah. So <laughs> no. so the, so the yeah.
1: hometown fans read it. And, oh yeah. See, our guy kicked his ass. Battleship Absolutely. anchors away. Right. Like Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So then for the rest of that guy's yeah. life. All of a sudden, he gets on the fried chicken <laughs> message board of the hockeyfights.com Yeah, the one-night Battleship Kelly. Oh, he beat the shit out of Pat Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do you know? <laughs> I know because my dad told me, you know, or whatever. Well, exactly. dad read it in the paper yep. on the way to work, right? You know, so it's like, well, yep. did he? I guess, you know, according to that writer, he did. But funny, we talked yeah. to the guy down in Atlanta. You know, it's
0: just like so. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's you just th- take it all for, You yeah. take it all with a grain of salt, and you just and again, you you like this is the what you have that's available. It's uh, you know it, it, there is no absolute truth. You just got to take a look at it and kind of make up your own mind and piece it together with what's available out there.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think you just have to be, you know at this point when you go back that far, I think with Gordy or <clears> yeah. a lot of those guys, you know, in the, well up till about the eighties, I guess it's like, you know, it's, um, you just sort of take for granted or just take that it happened and this is, yeah. you know, and they fought and we'll leave it at that. I mean, yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, and it's funny even when you talk to the fan, like, you know, guys do their top tens, they do their lists. And I had a guy, the other, well, a while ago, I can't remember what I was it a top 10. I can't remember what I did. I did a top 10 or something, whatever. And he's like, <laughs> well, yeah, well, I can't believe you don't have gas off in there. And I was like, Well and he goes, Do you know how tough Bob Gassoff was? And I'm like, I don't. I've heard, I've read I really
0: wish I did. Yeah, I I said, like
1: what is there? Literally what, three videos of him? Like I said. But I said to him, I said, Well, I'm looking at your profile, I said, You're younger than I am. So how do you know Bob Gasoff was so (laughs) great, right? Well exactly. His dad um, told "Well, Well, yeah, but I also know you live in Swift Current. So where were you what? seeing Bob Gassoff fight? <laughs> oh, well, my dad right, back in the day right, went right. to Medicine Hat Tiger Games and he saw Gassoff fight in junior. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, that doesn't translate. For
0: before he even got there. Well, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, I saw a million fights in
1: Saskatoon going to junior games in the 90s. I can tell you what I think I saw,
0: but it's I'm sure if I went
1: back and saw the game tape or, or actually saw the fight, yep. it would be like wow, man, you know, Wade like didn't beat that guy <laughs> as mad as I thought he did back in the day, right? But it's totally, like, yes. so I'm like, Fair it's really not. hard. Like, I when-
0: just looked at some ticket stubs this week. I just found some ticket stubs, and I found one from uh, the Wings versus the Oilers in 87. And I went back and looked at it, and there's a game like Kosher and Messier sort of get into it, but then there was uh, Kosher and McClellan fight, and McClellan's head gets bloodied when they hit the ice. But when we were in the crowd, we all thought Kosher, and we wanted. And that's the other thing. Like We wanted to believe that Kosher did it. Yeah. So it was easy to believe that he did, you know? But yeah. I went back, and I was looking at these ticket stubs, and I was like, man, I don't remember <laughs> I don't remember anything about this game. No, and exactly. I, to be like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. I mean, you totally, yeah, he did this, 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 and this. Like, man, I don't remember what I, yeah, exactly. No.
1: Well, <laughs> that, I, I've brought this up a couple times. It always cracked me up, like going back to the old fight message boards, the fried chicken days. You'd have these guys – Oh, right. Describe blow for blow a fight they saw in 74 at MSG. And I always noticed though, their guys seem to win all the time in their recollections as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Oh, Fatil. Mm-hmm. Oh, he grabbed me through two rights. Then he switched up and threw a left-handed hook. And it's like, really? Right. Like, you know, meanwhile somebody else is looking up and it's like, uh, what? I, I can't even find that fight yeah. in the box score. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Know you know, and yeah, it's just like, yep. well, cause there was no, there was no, Back, especially, well, back in the fright, like in 2000, there was no newspapers.com, but if you went to the library maybe and looked it up, but I mean, no, right. one, was, no one, one was really like doing that. Yeah, like that no one right. was really doing that. So it's like, well, everybody just <laughs> took, Michael. oh, this guy's a respected poster. He wouldn't lie. Well, it's yeah, not yeah, about yeah, lying, but it's more just,
0: because no. no, like you said, like what we want to see. And we, yeah. And we're more inclined to believe these things. Well, I said, and, Jesus, yeah, I, like, said I, mean, I said, I mean, like, I love Wendell Clark, but I see people on the board like, he had, you know, 97 knockouts. Like, come on. Some of yeah. these knockouts. Are like, guys that, like, you guys are pretty generous with the TKO calls. Yeah. Know? Well, I was giving Chris the other day
1: shit for that. He was talking about when Clark dropped Neely. I'm like, well, Neely's got his gloves still on. I'm like... I mean, I guess I guess right, he right, did, right, right. but it's
0: like I I don't know if I'd oh, be. Oh, I love that. I don't My know guy's if I'd be quick. Your guy was a jumper. My guy, he's just quick. Your guy's a jumper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I don't know if I'd be trumpeting
1: that as a TKO, but I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah,
0: yeah. I love those pictures where a guy's landing a punch and the other guy's glove is just at his wrist or just dangling or something. Yeah. I'm like, really. We're gonna call this like it is what it is, but I'm not gonna return, like man, he, he dropped him. Like, well, he got a he got a free shot. <laughs> well, it's amazing.
1: I mean, not just I mean, you could put up a fight video and you'll get ten different calls, and it's like I the know. video's right here. Like, are you not watching? Like, these I mean, guys will watching? just yeah. And I'm watching yeah. this video, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I have no like. It's amazing to me what people see. And it's like,
0: I don't see what you want to see. Oh, it's like, man, it's a study into
1: human, uh, the human psyche. It's like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's literally, yeah, it's like a social experiment. It's like, I'm going to put this up. And yeah, if you're from Philly, the flyer guy won. And it's like, (laughs) or if you're from
0: Boston, you know, and it's like, wow. You know, and it's just. I mean, I think like nine out of 10 of my posts are 9.9. If my posts on hockey fights, all I'm saying is like. Steve and Darren fought December fourteenth, two thousand twenty four, yep. <laughs> you know, at the spectrum and that's it. And then it just goes off from there. I remember that fight. Steve dropped Darren, like, You're an idiot. Darren had his head over his shoulders over like, whatever. Like it yep. goes off. So like, what do you get? Oh, yep. okay. Steve wasn't tied <laughs> down and he jumped him. You know, so that you know. So it's <laughs> right. like, all right, you know, it's just yeah, it's amazing.
1: And it's <laughs> no. but yeah, but one of things the
0: things I think is super cool about this is and to kind of go back to is like uh like, a guy like Steve Ream is just kind of in the vanguard. Like, there just isn't any, there's, what is that guy's name? He's like a hockey historian, like Paul Pakatu or something like that. I see him on some of these pages, and he just looks like he's the guy that everybody goes to as, like, he's the hockey fight, you know, guru. And, and he's older than you and I, and he has access to players. And I posted a picture of Dick Duff getting pushed into a penalty box. Like, that's Harry Howell. I asked him one time, and he said, I know, I pushed him in. But, and, you know, in my mind, I'm like, cool story bro but like, yeah. how the hell do i know if that happened or not
1: <laughs> well that's i was gonna say when we were talking about the how thing i mean somebody yeah. back on one of the fight sites actually sat down with fern Flamman and talked to him and Flamman's mm-hmm. kind of like just just basically put the mouth to how he's like oh fuck that guy you know like i always beat him every you know, time you know what i mean
0: there's a quote that he's like man we went at it tooth and nail but we never fought you know and, and he's like He's like, I wanted to. I wanted him to fight, but he wouldn't fight me. You know, yeah. and I was like, man, it slows on this thing that you guys fought three times. But yeah. it probably wasn't what Flamin wanted, which was a wide-open exchange, you know. Yeah. And I could see that, you know. and But, yeah, I mean, again, that's the failability. Because in our, in our... our the. the cage we talked about earlier they're fighting three times but there's a quote that he says no we didn't fight and you know and i'm sure they did i i believe that they did fight but they were just so inconsequential in Flaman's mind and you know so far after the fact that he was like man it just didn't register it wasn't like fighting richard or i mean you know the other thing too is like these guys for the most part they kind of were squaring up and throwing punches at each other there wasn't a whole lot of grabbing on and, you know, they'd hit the ice, but I mean, for the most part, that was like, they were kind of, my understanding is that so many of these guys coming up through school and in Canada, like boxing was a part of kind of gym, what we call gym class here, and that that was like these guys like Andy Basti, Red Kelly, you know, Red Kelly, you're like, man, Red Kelly. Look at his pictures. This guy's throwing haymakers and he's fighting everybody. Like, Red Kelly was a boxer, you know, but in the NHL, he's getting, you know, he's a Lady Bing winner. Well, and, and <laughs> but when it's, he's yeah, and down it's, to it, yeah, it and all I'm, could I'm, grow down.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, what Steve is talking about here uh, in this article, and it's, and it's true because I actually talked to my dad about this and stuff. It was like, yeah, one of the key education things here in Canada. Uh, especially with the males was like in phys ed cadets at community centers and stuff like that. There was a real focus on self defense training because this and and boxing was part of the athletic program in a lot of schools and in high schools and boys clubs, like the Y and all that stuff. Those were big back in the day, right? So a lot of like a lot of young men, teenagers and stuff. Boxed. Now I'm not saying, oh, they all got in the ring and went through, tried out for the gold gloves. But in (laughs) Fizz Ed, you learned to like, you know, jab and defense and throw punches. Exactly. So it was like, so, and then like you said, and then a lot of these guys, of course, go on to play hockey. Well, yeah, they might not have been in air quotes, you know, pugilists or fighters, but they had thrown punches and boxed
0: and had some frame of reference anyway. Yeah. To how to throw a punch properly. Right. They're tucking their chins and they're yeah. throwing Yeah, exactly. And yeah yeah, you read about it and you see like the Richard brothers, like they'll talk about it like that. Like, man, we grew up in gym class. Like like it wasn't like these guys were uh I mean, you got know, a guy like Randy Holt and he'll tell you like yeah, he he took boxing class, he was also a street fighter, but that that's the rarity. It's like it wasn't like most of these guys were coming out a lot of them had a little crossover, but most of them just had the background of like, Hey, we learned how to do this in gym class or in Phys Ed or whatever it was and again, back then, like, almost those guys, almost all of them fought at least once or twice a year just to show that they would. Some of them fought more. Some of them, you know, probably didn't have to. But at least once or twice a year, almost everybody's dropping the gloves just to say, like, hey, there's a limit to how much shit I'm going to take out here. You know? Yeah. well, and, you know, there's people spot-picking all over the place. Like, I, I'm looking at John Ferguson's fight card. I'm like, I don't even know who the hell half these guys are. Alex Faulkner? And I'm looking at, like, oh, he's 5'8", 170 pounds. You know, and then I'm reading about like Ferguson going after Mike Corrigan, which I think is funny because there's, you know, there's a picture of like Larry Robinson, like ragdolling Mike Corrigan. What the hell was wrong with Mike Corrigan in the 70s? <laughs> poor dude playing for the Kings. But like in this clip, in these newspaper clips, Ferguson's getting razzed from, I think it's a Canuck bench at the time saying like, why aren't you messing with Rosie? Why don't you want to go with Pema? You know, and Fergie's saying like, who the hell has he ever fought? And then goes up and beats up Corrigan, you know, like, Hey, I and Robinson when he when he's fighting who's he fighting he fought Cork but there's some other guy. You know, and and he's talking to the newspaper. He's like, I was just frustrated. So I took it out on him. Like, if Robinson's the ultimate badass, he's going to seek out the other ultimate badass. Instead, he found, like, you you know, some other poor fourth line punter with great pole or whoever the hell it was. Yeah. (laughs) Tracy Pratt, you're getting it tonight, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Sorry for you, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like you said, right? And that goes
1: back to what we were talking about before. It was an appointment fighting back then. It was like, I'm pissed off now. I'm grabbing right. this guy, and I'm going to make an example out of you.
0: Exactly, and because exactly. these guys weren't
1: thinking exactly. forty years down the line. Oh boy, a couple idiots on a podcast are going to say I was a
0: spot picker. Totally. <laughs> totally. You know, totally. Right, right, right. You know, and and I think there's also like there's it's fascinating when television gets introduced because like players will say, like, man, you used to get your ass kicked on the regular and it'd be like, No big deal But now you're like, Man, I don't want this being broadcast back to Timmins or wherever the hell it's going <laughs> my whole everybody's in the bar and my dad's sitting there watching it, like, Oh, good good show, Steve. We go. Well, you you
1: know, as you mentioned that, you know, what's so funny? I had Wade Brookbank on this show, and Wade Brookbank said that he goes, "You want to know what my biggest motivator was when I was fighting? All my friends can watch YouTube, and it's forever Yuck. on, and it's forever. My fights oh, are forever yeah. on YouTube, right?" Because he goes, because yeah. he's part of that next thing where it, everything you do is televised. So all of yeah. Wade Brookbank's fights yeah. in the NHL are on YouTube. So he goes, I didn't yeah. ever want to get my ass kicked because the boys would be texting me. But before no, I even got back no. into the locker room, my phone would be blowing up. No kidding. <laughs> you know, you because know, yeah. they're going to bust your balls, right?
0: Paul I'm reading about Paul Hogram fighting Dave Langevin. And they're Minnesota boys. And he's laughing after the game. He's like, I told Dave, our dads are back over in uh, St. Paul at a bar right now watching and I'm thinking, like, you know what? They probably were. <laughs> you know, yeah. They probably were back then. Yeah. Like just yeah. I mean, it just wasn't. I remember I went to Winnipeg and was visiting friends there one time. And this was in the late or uh, the early 90s. And the guy said, Oh, you're from Detroit? And I said, Yeah. He said, We got highlights. And I was like, What the hell? Like, he, they had a satellite dish and they were beaming in Detroit, <laughs> you know, in Winnipeg. And he was talking about like he was using one of the Detroit uh, newscasters um, uh, like catchphrases, you know, and like, and I was like, man, this whole there's the. I love to think about, uh, like, those early days of, like, I don't know how far back you or if you were even a taper of, like, man, we were taping stuff off the television, and then we were getting the VCR, oh yeah like, like renting the VCR to put that on top and taping that off of there, and, you know, I talked a little bit to Vince Carroll, Vin Diggity, because uh, he and I are buds, and he's just been doing this for years, and he, he's a kid that was living out in Arizona, and his dad, I think he's an East Coast kid originally, but then his dad, when they move out to Arizona, was like, man, I missed the Bruins game, we're getting a satellite dish. So this has been taping games for
2: years
0: you know and uh i got the same games everybody else does because i could only just get channel nine or whatever the wings were <laughs> so I, I don't think i've got anything you need but um it was still a, just a different time but it just wasn't it wasn't something that was like readily available I, you know I used to, I think about like hockey voting for awards and like, so you're telling me like the writers in Winnipeg are are watching the guys on the East Coast or the writers in Winnipeg are watching the guys on the East Coast, but you know that the writers in Boston aren't watching the guys in Winnipeg. No. They don't
1: care about it. Well, that's the amazing thing. Like even in the 80s and 90s, like when we talk about, cause I mean, we're fight guys, right? So with our fight tapes and everything else, there's shit all for Winnipeg and Vancouver footage.
0: Yeah, there was nothing because I I can
1: remember when I'd grown up here in Western Canada. I mean, the only we didn't have a dish. The only thing we got was hockey night in Canada. And this was in the 80s. So in the early there was two games. Well, three games you'd get them. You'd get the Canadians on the French channel and then you'd get the Leafs. The early game was Toronto And the late game was the Oilers, because it was the 80s Oilers with Gretzky. So they were always going to be on. So if the Oilers played Vancouver, (laughs) it's part of the Smythe, you saw them then. Or in Winnipeg, because of Gretzky, Howard, Chuck, that, whatever. But, I mean, it wasn't, all Hockey Night in Canada, Winnipeg versus Vancouver. No, that wasn't wasn't happening. It was Edmonton or Battle of Alberta. (laughs) And, of course, back then, less teams, so they're going to schedule it. Oh, who's our marquee game Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada? Well, it's going to be Calgary-Edmonton yep Mm -hmm. so i don't remember watching vancouver very much or i all the only time again what we ever did was when you know we visited my grandma in vancouver then we saw the canucks yeah so all you had to hope for back then for the tape traders but it's like you just hope there was a guy in vancouver well i know tony was out there i mean you just hope that there was someone recording uh canuck stuff or in winnipeg getting the jets because other than that no one's seeing this stuff
0: you know. Right, right. It was such a yeah, like we say, we go keep going, It like so hyper regional. And yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, you know, getting my first fight tape and having it not be just Detroit or hockey night in Canada and being like, Holy cow, like there's people out there that are just just have access to different stuff and you know, first year I lived in North Dakota, I I didn't know this, but they were, um, you know, they got like some Minnesota sports stations, so I watched all of that uh, the the year that the Stars made their run to the, you know, their miracle run to the Cup finals. But really, I'm watching Basil and Shane McRae or Shane Sherlock, and you know, I was a Basil fan from the Battle of Quebec because I liked Quebec, and I was bummed out when the Wings traded him. But I'm like, man, these two are like, I didn't, I wouldn't have known, I wouldn't have had near the appreciation for Chainsaw if I hadn't got to see him almost every night in Minnesota. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I would have known. I'm like, oh man, that guy can because he was one of the first guys on one of those fight tapes, you know, him fighting uh Maguire, yeah. You know, but then later on I'm like, man, both these guys and the become a guy that you can put out there on a regular shift. So and that was like well, I was—I thought I was in hog heaven because, like, man, I know my guys back in Detroit are taping Wings games. Like, I'm getting this stuff, and I'm getting the, you know, the Minnesota Sports Network or whatever. And yeah, yeah ESPN used to have a game on, and it would be like the weirdest time and the weirdest hours, and it'd pop up on Saturday. USA Network used to have a game, but it'd be like you'd literally have to like trip across these things. Like, it wouldn't be something that you would know. It would just be like, oh, I get fun. You know? so, well,
1: and the, yeah. the thing that always used to get us mad, especially here, like in Saskatoon, which is really bizarre, is uh, for Kate. We had Detroit cable. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so we would get the W or the the, the Detroit Tigers baseball games. Yeah. We get all their home games because growing up when I was like ten years old, like Lance Parrish was like my favorite guy. I love Lance oh, Parrish. Man. Awesome. Well, the Roar of '84, man, right? So, that's
0: oh, we had, team, man, Those are my team. Yeah, <laughs> I had a Tigers hat and
1: everything. They were my team because right I was on. oh, I was nine years old. Roar of '84, yeah. Lou and Kirk Gibson, a Trammel
0: and shit, Daryl Evans,
1: like, yeah. But I love it. I love it. But come the winter, they didn't have Wed Wings games on. No, so, so we no, never saw Probert no. and Co- which pissed, God
0: we all man. wanted to see, Pro- well, I mean, Hawking
1: and Kevin, they played Toronto, then you would see, well, more yeah. Coaster early on for us, cause of course he was a Saskatoon Blade. So we knew, yeah, hi- yep. we knew him from going on. We didn't, I didn't know who mm-hmm. Probert was, cause he was an OHL guy. And again, no internet
0: he back then. He wasn't days. making any waves. He wasn't making any waves. He wasn't like, uh, there was, uh, he didn't come with any heralded rep out of juniors. It was, being some like massive destroyer of men. Like he had you know he had a couple of high profile fights with Baumgartner in the Memorial Cup finals and the but no, I mean it wasn't like he was laying people out left and right. You know, nobody nobody knew what we were getting with him really when he came into camp. Robert Probert.
1: Yeah, yeah. How do you do that to your kid, man? Robert Probert. That's I know a, that's a rough <laughs> handle.
0: A le- you're a letter away from being Probert. Probert. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, especially if your handwriting's bad. You know, yeah, yeah
0: totally, right. You right. know, yeah. so we didn't really
1: see Probert well at that time too when he first came. I was like 11, 12 years old, so it was it was more like into that grade seven, grade eight, grade nine, into high school, kind of that late eighty, early nineteen ninety. 1990, well, all of a yeah. sudden, it's like you start, cause we get high, like, news, sports channel, at, mm-hmm. you know, at 11 o'clock. And again, yep. you saw the Clark-Probert fights, and again, going Wendell from Saskatoon here, it's like, holy shit, this yeah. guy kind of like manhandled our guy Wendell, you know, and it's like, so you Boy, start reading about this yep. Well, and you start reading about this Bob-Probert in Detroit, like this guy's the baddest dude, right? So then, it's like, okay, well, I gotta start getting some fight tapes or something of this guy, so I always tell this of course, the first fight tape I ever got was the Bruise Brothers, Probert and Koser, right? Yeah. So, and then it was like, yeah. holy shit, right? It was like the yeah. I mean, I knew who Koser was, but it was yeah. like, like, you know, again, but it wasn't yeah. like we were seeing all this NHL stuff. Right, again, right, if it was right. on Hockey Night in Canada, you did, like, whatever. But it was like, other than that, not really. And they'd show some fights on the news every once in a while, but it was like yeah, two or three punches. It wasn't like they were showing the whole thing. You yeah, know? yeah, you know,
0: rough night at the Joe or whatever, and you'd get a six-second clip or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure.
1: Very, very seldom did they put up the whole thing. So it was like, okay, yeah, you, right. you got a taste of it. It wasn't until I really started... Like well, ended up finding a friend of a cousin or whatever. He started like, oh, here you should check these out, and they were like actual fight tapes. And you start putting yeah. those in, and they were two hours of like, like yeah. everybody right. <laughs> so it was like, holy shit! Yeah. Now I'm actually seeing like McSorley Sorley out in LA and Kosar right. and Probert right. and, mm-hmm. and like, and then you start getting older stuff. Then you start making trades, and it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm hearing who's this Glenn Cochran? Right? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know. And then, well, yeah. oh, then you start getting some guy. Thankfully, somebody back then, you know, got the 70s, got that, all that Bruins stuff,
0: you know, and, yeah, and yep, the Flyers the stuff. New England Sports Network. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, you know, and I think you you and I are, are similar, I think, in that, like, I was a steady hockey card collector. So some yep. of these guys, like, you know, all I know about Jimmy Mann is what I see on the 1980 yep. penalty minute leaders. Like, some of these guys I never see except for being on the penalty minute leader card. So I'm like, I don't even know who some of these guys
2: are. You know, yeah.
0: Yeah, to see him in real life. And I remember, uh, oh, man, I don't remember what guy, maybe it was Terry Murray or whoever it was, like Jack McElhargy comes up, and they're like, man, where do these guys, where's Philly getting these guys from? Like, where are he yeah. these guys from? You know, and back then, like, those guys were more or less less like play the role. They looked the role, man. That was all part of like the, the, uh, theater of the event was like, man, they're looking like badasses. Like yeah. they're looking like they're smoking menthols in the locker room. <laughs> well, Yeah. Like, and it's so funny. Like you, like all of
1: those old junior cards and like, you put up the Saskatoon blades card of Dave Brown. Well, he looks yeah. like he's 28 you know, and it's like, but now you put up the Saskatoon Blades cards, these kids look like they're 14, you know. I know, I know, man, I know, it's wild. Yeah, but uh yeah. I was going to say, yeah, with the, um, no, I completely blanked out of what it what, it was, what was I going to say?
0: hockey cards or I don't yeah know, it was a, something with it was something
1: music. with footage well it was just like you said yeah it was like you didn't see any well the only time you ever kind of really got like you said with the hockey cards looking at those or at the end of the year you got the hockey news annual and they yeah. had all the stats yep. from the minors and the NHL, all the final stats. You yeah. read through it, and it's like, you know, Kevin Evans, six hundred and forty-eight penalty. What Who is this gosh. person? You'd right? Look at
0: that, and you'd be like, "How the hell do you even do that? How yeah. is that even possible?" Like yeah. the minor
1: league stuff was actually the, even the more bizarre to me because now these guys oh, are yeah. putting up five hundred yeah. minutes, and it's like, where where is <laughs> right. Mus, where is Muskegon?
0: Was, you know, I don't know yeah, what that totally, is totally, totally. Yeah. And then I, you know, and I am I'm a Michigan kid, and now I'm like, man, these guys will go to war like Michigan. And like Muskegon versus Port Huron, you know, in a home and away series, and, and like, man, I was. I have no. I had no idea of like what kind of wars those were at that level, at that tier. You know, on Friday and Saturday nights with these guys riding the bus, Kevin Kerr with these guys riding the bus yeah. for years and just going to war. I loved looking and like I loved in those annuals or whatever it was. You'd be like Paul Higgins, nineteen games, like one hundred and twenty minutes. You know, like he wouldn't even play enough that you actually know who he was. You're like, what the hell? Ha- how did that happen? You're like, and Paul Higgins has got to have like the highest. Games to bench clearing brawl ratio of anybody that I've ever
1: played. Well, it was funny. Yeah. Cause he was on a list that
0: I did the other day with the lead or whatever. And
1: I'm like, oh, I don't I'm even, kidding. and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, I'm like, I've heard the name, oh, but I, yeah. but I kind of, oh, I did well, I didn't know the myth or the, not the myth, but the stories yeah, behind oh, it. Oh, yeah. There's so much. Yeah, oh, yeah. My please, buddy Nave yeah. sent me this thing and he's like, Oh, yeah. He's like this teenager, <laughs> this cra- And he's sending me like news clips of like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. this guy was just like insane. Right.
0: And just, Absolutely, absolutely, and he was like one of those last guys. And here's the thing: there, like, think about like how many of those guys populate the minor leagues. Like, how many yeah. of those guys didn't quite make it to the to the show or to the national league? But they're out there doing that at that minor league level. You get a guy like Daniel Shank. You remember him? He was oh, like yeah. a wing for a couple of years, and you're like, how does he get 257 minutes? <laughs> you know, and then he's getting 400 minutes in San Diego in the IHL or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just like crazy to think about and you watch that stuff and you're like oh yeah that that couldn't exist today like there's no way no. that you could have that sport exist like that today where people would just yeah where they would put up where they would accept that like it's just it's too far removed from those kind of bench-clearing brawl days where you could pole-axe somebody or whatever it was. It's not in the fabric of the game so much anymore so that when it does happen, like you said, with whatever ridiculousness list that was last week, I like think Ottawa and Florida like, oh, my God, they all got, he handed out 60 minutes of penalties. Like, yeah, for about 10 minutes of actual penalties. <laughs> oh, yeah, like I would say, when yeah. I go to
1: work, and there's a couple, we got a couple 19-, 20-year-old young guys working. work with. oh, and they just think, like, this was just like, oh, it's just mayhem. And I'm yep. like, are you, you are serious? Betting. Like, oh yeah, it's like, come on, you guys. Like, so I'll show them some <laughs> stuff on YouTube, and like their jaws hit the table. Like, they can't, totally. they can't wrap their totally. minds around not only guys fighting like that, but just like the the amount of fights. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy had like 30 fights one year, and they're just looking at you really? like like 30 one guy and it's like yeah you know and it was just like right and they just can't wrap their heads around it and like and like you said that's just the NHL guys let alone I mean you want to go into the minors and you you know I'll I'll bring up some 05 LNH stuff if you want that'll really blow your minds if you want to see some real I'll I'll show you Patrick Cote and Joel Terrio you know but it's like you know you want to task or send you think that was crazy you know like you know, yeah, show, yeah him,
2: right, right. Show right. Him some Mel sad yeah.
0: footage and shit. It's like I oh, yeah. love Mel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know nothing about that. Like I never weigh in on any of that stuff because like for better or for worse, more I was in Detroit. I was pulling Channel Nine out of Windsor. I was pulling Channel thirty four out of Montreal and I was getting the Detroit stuff. But I wasn't I just didn't it was minor league hockey wasn't on my radar. I would go watch the Spits in Windsor. But that was even that was in my mind that was different. Like I didn't think it was better than anything else. It was just different. Like there wasn't there just wasn't minor league hockey like that around. And, you know, when I was a kid, my dad, he loved hockey. So that's how I got into it. And he would take me down. Like, we, I, I, like a lot of kids, I felt baseball was my first love. I loved baseball. And the Tigers were good. And so that dovetailed easily. Well, when the Tigers got good, it got harder to go see games. Uh, Pistons move out to wherever the hell, Pontiac. And I got the wings downtown. And nobody wants to go downtown in Detroit in 1980. But my dad is uh He's not put out by that at all. And we'd go down the night of the game and we'd get tickets, you know, we'd buy wherever it was the tickets were for, and we'd go down like, we'd go down and on the glass. And I'm watching Joe Patterson and I'm watching Motor City Smitty, and they were so bad there. And like, yeah. <laughs> it <was> so bad. <laughs> Barry Melrose, like, I got Barry, like, I knew Barry Melrose as, like, yeah, he's the Wings Enforcer. Like, oh no, Jim Corn or Willie Huber, who makes UA Croup look like Gladiator, you know, like, oh man. Um, they were just bad. And I tell people all the time, like, Yeah, when Eisman got drafted, that was a big deal. But you gotta understand it was Probert and Kosher just as much, if not more, that was putting butts in the seat. Like Illich was given out a car a night. You know, and we would go down there, and I talked to my friend about it all the time. Like we would go down there and we'd each have our own row. And I remember one time I was sitting there and was talking to my friend, we looked down and the guy rolled down from us on his program he had a bag of weed out and was rolling a joint and this is like a Red Wing game <laughs> <It's not> like <laughs> nineteen eighty three or whatever. But it was like one of those things like, Yeah, nobody's going, man. It's downtown Detroit. People are scared and the wings suck. And you go the best time to go would be we be when the Leafs would roll in our Canadian team because the place would fill up and like Leafs fans would come because they couldn't get into the cathedral. So they'd, you know, come to Detroit. And uh it would be rowdy right from the get go. You know, when the national handling would be amped up, it would be like, it would be a big deal. It was fun. But those were some lean years, and it was Probert and Kosher just as much as Iserman that started putting butts back in the seat, you know, and, and Demir's. I, I did, uh, I was looking at fights, and I was like, man, I wonder how many Probert fights I saw. And on the tickets that I could find, not many. And I was like, oh, I saw him fight Lee Norwood, and I'm watching that. Like, yeah, I don't remember anything about that. That's a total snooze fest. Like, <laughs> that's not in the memory at all. Like, two guys wrestling for 15 seconds. So that's my big. Uh, I saw Probert live.
1: <laughs> I was just saying, on all your uh, in your. Did you ever run into Probert like personally? Ever have a no, conversation? No, with him?
0: no. I had a friend. No, I felt like there were times, especially in the late 80s, uh, 80 like 80 89. I felt like I wasn't I wasn't hunting him, but I felt like we weren't far behind each other because there was only so many places, and he was such a larger-than-life presence, and I, I did, I, I may have said this to you before, I did have a friend that used an ATM machine, and his card was in there, and he, like, however it worked, he got a hold of, like, I think at the time, you know, nobody's got phones or anything, I think he, he somehow got a hold of somebody at the Joe, and they went down there, and of course, it ended up being, like, one of those stories that nobody, uh, none of us knew at the time was happening all the time, but, like... Probert was awesome to him. You know, just treated him like he was the greatest in the, in the world. And, you know, like I gave him a stick, you know, gave him uh, a ticket to the show, like to the game. And like, you know, just treated him like he was the best dude in the world. And we already loved him. So it wasn't a, it, no, I, I, you know, I had a, I had a teacher who in high school, who was a border patrol guy. And, uh, we talked about the incident when he got pulled over and he said, the deal was like, and he didn't pretend to be close enough to touch it. He said, but the deal was like, this would happen enough. like Primer would come over. Come back from Detroit, going into Windsor, wasted in, enough that this this one night, this guy was like, no, not not happening, not tonight. You know, he said. But he had such a larger than life presence. I don't, I don't ever remember hearing anything about Joe Kosher. Well, I do nothing, nothing particularly good. But I don't like. Probert was like the life of the party wherever he went. You know, and, and like people loved having that dude show up. So, I mean, I think that's the way it was all the way to the to the very end. Yeah. Yeah, from all That'd accounts, amazing. People yeah. say like, oh, I can't believe he died. I can't. He died so young. It's like, I can't believe he lived that long. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like, really, truly, like, you can't believe he died. Like, okay, I mean, well, like, he had brought massive up in, appetite for life. You know. Yeah. I mean, well, brother, they even
1: brought it up but, in that documentary, right? Like, imagine all the th- yeah. all the things you did hear about him. Well, now imagine right. all the things you didn't hear about him. That exactly. they that they covered that they covered exactly. up, you know, there are a lot right. of motorcycle exactly. and car accidents and everything else, and you know that's yeah. why we say that's the crazy oh, thing. About- and there's
0: so much stuff like oh, that, yeah. that you you look at now, like you look at how why, why did Scott Stevens leave Washington, and then you look at how that went down, and you're like, oh man, there's this limo with an underage kid in it, and you're like, man, I didn't hear anything about that. Well, that never left Maryland in 1980. That's not you know that's yeah. not making it to Detroit in the news, and like. There were things like that that have you know, you look at, like, Doug Gilmore and his wardrobe malfunctioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that guy, good luck, good luck, you've been run out of the league today, you know, or, yeah. or uh, their attraction to babysitters, whatever it is, like, it's not
1: happening these days. So, Well, yeah, like, even back well, when we were growing up, it was, like, with the junior team here, it was just like, oh, oh yeah. like with the junior kid, like you're talking teenagers now getting, of course they're going to get yep. drunk and get into street fights and, you know, totally, whatever. So yep. you'd, oh, you'd mm-hmm. always hear about, especially you go back in the days, like Twist and all them and Coaster were like bouncers in the summer at this bar as yep. here and like they were beating the shit out of guys, right? And like Fakoda <laughs> was just crazy in Saskatoon driving all over the place. And yeah, like, but they didn't, you didn't hear yeah. about this stuff. I like, guess it's like 1980, early eighties, right? So it's right. like, they're right, not going to run right, these right. guys down, right? Because it's like, oh, he's going to Red right. Wings camp in the in the winter, in the fall here. So, exactly. Ah, we'll Tell cut him break. Get out
0: of here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. go home. You go home. Whatever. You know. Yeah. Nobody. Right. Whoever's getting stomped out uh, outside the bar isn't doesn't have five friends recording it. And is going to go to the you know the. Whoever the next day <laughs> you just took your ass whooping and went home yeah. went home. Yeah. <laughs> it well, became a story for you to tell to other people. <laughs> yeah. Well
1: that's why I would say it's like we just said, right? That's the crazy thing. Imagine all the stories you heard about Link Gates. I said, imagine all the stories you didn't hear. Yeah. Like if that's I know, that's the I know. crazy thing, right?
0: It's just like I know. Yep. These guys totally. live. If that's nine, what made out, exactly. I would lives, tell people man. that and, like I wouldn't want to be I'm so glad that I, I kinda grew up when I did because so much of my stupidity existed prior to the internet. I'm like, oh man, I I want that stuff saved forever out there. Like I did enough dumb stuff. I don't need it to live forever so i kind of forgot that we were having a show i was just talking (laughs) yeah well here we are folks
1: we've been recording you're you're in the the steve and darren conversation started with gordy and
0: ended with detroit cable and you know we're all over the place everything in between man i love it though i appreciate it and you know i didn't come out here like hunting for bear i just came out here and thinking like you know i think if people if people look the Gordy and really look at it, like, you'll see, like, man, this guy's legit. He was a legitimate tough guy. Was he the baddest guy ever? No, but he was legitimately tough. And, like, somebody like Gillies or, as much as I hate, like Lindros, somebody like that, like, if you stepped to him and you didn't know what you were doing, you, you could get hurt. And that's, that was legit.
1: So. No, and I mean, I, I dig it, man, and I appreciate it because, like I said, I've been very vocal on here about the myth yeah. of how. And it's like, yeah, you know, and yeah, it's like, yeah. no, and you're right. And I appreciate, you know, getting kind of, called on the carpet about it. It's like, well, yeah, but, you know, and then it's like, and I know you and the other Steve, when Probert, well, I'll just call him when Probert was king, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. have done... Real deep dive research. I mean, like I said, I've read a few newspapers. I've had guys send me stuff, and I've read stuff and it's different accounts of things. But yeah, like you, I know you guys have been really deep into it. And I'm certainly yeah. this is not going to be the last time. In fact, I want to get both you guys on at the same time because oh, and, that'd be fun. Oh yeah, and I really, I think we can. You and I will talk off air here, but I, I think there's that underrated thing I, I'm interested in. But I also yeah. want to yeah, talk to you right. about just some of the things that you've. Uh, discovered through your investigating
0: yeah. on on uh, dot com. I'd love to. It has been a ton of fun. It has been so much fun, and it's just brought out like so much stuff. And you know, like uh, I think there's just so much. There's such a wealth of, of knowledge out there and resources. Yes. And you know, we all still miss. I, I know we miss. Drop your gloves, and I feel like I think. I think uh when Trober's king I think he's getting something like that going. I'm trying. And I'm hoping that a bunch of us can plug into that again and start to put some of this stuff out there because when I was a young kid I loved to read you know, battleship rules like the stuff that that guy would write was like, yeah. man, it was really well written, and it wasn't like he punched him in the face three times and he punched him in the face three times. You know, it was like there was. I yeah. like the context, man. I like to know what's going on, and and like you said, what's the backstory here, and yeah. where, how did this originate? Because none of it just happened in a vacuum, you know. And, and no. some of and that's, and that's the real
1: that's the real sad thing when the fe- I've said before when the when the fight message boards went away. Fried yeah. chicken and HockeyFights.com and drop your gloves. Yeah. That is decades worth of history that is gone. True, so the only true. thing that's left now are these yeah. Facebook groups and it's, and it's like, oh. and, and you have YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think for a lot of things, it's, there's a lot of myth getting thrown around and just, well, I heard. Yeah. And then, but yeah. when you start. Like you said, you guys like yourself and when Probert was king and, and, uh, Nick Mara and older guys and yeah. like, and I try to dig up some stuff and, and we try to, I always say, you know, try to educate the people, right? Like, and bring, yeah, a, and that's all
0: you can do is just kind yeah. of point them to the stuff that exists out there and let them make up their own minds from that. But yeah. I mean, yeah. And yeah, that, and that's what I yeah. try to
1: do with this app, ep- with these shows. I try to get people on yeah. to educate people, and then and I I love it too because I've never sat here on this show and ever. Oh, D, listen to me, I know everything. Oh no, I, do. yeah, I don't. I've got plenty it. of blind spots. So the fact for you to come on and talk about the Gordy stuff, it, this is great. This is why I do the show. This is exactly yeah. why I do this podcast. It's for this reason. I right love now. it. Yes. I love
0: it. Me too, and I go into this like, I'm not a professor, you know, I'm looking at this like, man, there's so much for me to learn out there, and I went into this uh, like I said, I, I'm an unabashed Gordie Howe fan. I love him. I think, like, there's enough truth that underpins the mythology, I and mean, he's just such a great guy. Um, but I went into this wondering, like, what's the reality with this? And finding out, like, man, there, there's some interesting stuff in this, and there, you know, I think it's, it's we're just starting to, to really see the tip of the iceberg in terms of, like, what this research and newspapers can do and how how we can use that to support anecdotes and and, you know the best is if there's video but you know we'll go with what we got and hopefully people will uh Will will make their own opinion, or if they don't, they'll just keep their mouth shut about the the stuff they're wrong about. <laughs> we all oh, we can always hope, right? But uh, right. yeah, <laughs> that hasn't happened yet in any form. So we'll no, Darren, but, thank you. I appreciate it, and I was really uh, I'm really thankful for the opportunity. It was was go.
1: Well, definitely do it again, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you very Ooh. much.